morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Imagine if all we had today was like talk about Maryland basketball. Like imagine if that was the world that we were in. I was kind of hoping there would be more like Orioles acquisitions over the weekend and there'd be more to discuss. But it, it's what it is. We'll settle with what we got. It's what I mean only going out and getting Corbin Burns. Only that's the case. Speaking of which, um, a lot to do on the program today, including D.L. Hall will catch up with us. We'll talk to him about um, go, heading to Milwaukee as part of the uh, Burns trade. And we'll, we'll ask him some of the questions that you guys have been wondering aloud, right? Like, was he still unhappy about being a reliever? Things like that. We'll talk to D.L. Hall about it. Uh, always enjoyed our conversations with D.L. Hall over the years. Appreciate the fact that he's going to come on with us today. Uh, we'll also learn more about Corbin Burns, Bill Schroeder from um, the Brewers broadcast crew, former catcher. will tell us more about exactly what it is the Orioles are getting in Corbin Burns. Um, also today, I want to do this. Just didn't work out last week, but normally at the start of every offseason, I try to powwow with a friend, Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report. Mr. Raven's salary cap to do a big picture look at what's ahead for the Ravens, the decisions they have to make, what's feasible. Like they don't they, they don't have any running backs right now besides Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell. Although, I, by the way, the wording of the way that John Harbaugh said, like, nothing, no injury from the season was concerning going to next year, I was like, but does that include Keaton Mitchell? That'd be kind of wild, right? He, like, he was Achilles, right? Yeah, and it was, was sort of late in the season. Yeah, it was like, that would be impressive. Well, apparently Achilles take three months. That's yeah, that's right. a good point. It's Everything has changed. But we'll lay it all out. <clears throat> it. What's the reality? How do you handle the Ronnie Stanley situation? How do you handle the Marlon Humphrey situation? We will talk to Brian McFarland about all of that. Uh, Loyola Lacrosse got a big win, win to open the season as they defeated Georgetown on Saturday. Evan James had five goals and four assists in that game. That's it? Yeah, nine points uh, as Loyola really rolled. <laughs> they gave up the first goal of the game, and then they it was never close. Um, what was it? Was 18 to 10 or something? 18 to 10 was the final score. So we'll catch up with Evan James, and it's Monday, so Jeremy Connell will join us, stuff and things. You never know what might pop up during the course of the program. Today's show brought to you by ooh, Toyota. Man, we have been uh, trying to tell you that you have the opportunity. If you're a high school sports fan, if you're a high school sports supporter, and I think that part of this is really important, that you just want to show some love to like young athletes in this area and support what it is that they're doing, then Toyota is a proud sponsor of County Sports Zone and County Sports Zone Pick'em, which you can find right now. You go to countysports.zone, and you can check it out, and you can get involved, and you can show how much you know, and it's all brought to you by our friends at Toyota, and we appreciate that significantly, so go check it out today. Um, as far as the weekend is concerned, meh. You know, Maryland basketball, never really all that involved. It's it's a miracle they didn't lose that game by 40 points because they were never in they were never involved. And it took until the end for Michigan State to figure out, like, hey, we could just pull away. What what are we doing here? So that's a huge bummer because again, the last couple of weeks, K 
kept saying like they need to start doing things of significance in order to create a path and getting a road win at Michigan State would have been helpful for that they didn't get it I, I can only say it so many ways it's a more compelling Maryland team than maybe we thought it was going to be a month ago but unfortunately it's not likely to be a team that's going to be involved in the NCAA tournament um, and that's a shame because Jameer Young's going to be leaving after this year and uh, the, the, the freshmen just continue to not not take steps forward that make you believe that there is a foundation there. I'm not trying to pile on them, but it's a bummer. It's a bummer. There's no way around that. The Maryland women's game was very compelling oh, yeah. on Saturday night. Uh, ultimately, Iowa did end up pulling away, but at one point in the second quarter, I was like, all right, well, this was fun, but... Maryland's a nothing school? Is that... That was, that was the uh, thoughts probably, we were, we were probably going a through. Cross school. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. The way that you would say that. Still, still pretty good at field hockey. <laughs> still, True. Uh, becoming a baseball school. That's right. That is right. Got that going for him. Uh, lest you forget, three time defending bowl champions. Really? Hello? Oh, bowl champions. Okay. What are you talking about? For some reason, I thought back bowl, to I thought back bowling. to back bowl champions. That's right. That's right. So. You settle down over there. In the third quarter, that game got really interesting. And I, you know, I, I wanted to go. I forgot like a month ago to buy tickets. And then I looked at the ticket prices and said, and I didn't want to be the guy that was like hitting them up last minute. Like, hey, uh, I know that you're getting more requests for this game than any game that you've ever gotten before. But like, uh, you, you got a spot for me too, right? I just didn't want to be that guy. So it's a shame because the atmosphere was incredible. It was awesome. Fox's coverage was a bit over the top. It's a fine line. Like, they know everybody's tuned in for Caitlin Clark, but, like, leaving Caitlin Clark's stat line up on the screen for the entirety of the broadcast. And I wonder if people started to, like, they started to notice on Twitter because, like, somewhere in the second half, they, they pulled it down for a little bit. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, but Caitlin Clark's awesome, and Caitlin Clark's the biggest star in college basketball, and so it was cool. Everything about it was really cool, except for the fact that Maryland lost. That was the only bummer of, in all of that. So kind of a bummer of a weekend. Towson lost. That was I watched some of that. Towson that did was, cover. Thank God. Still, like just it, yeah, it, it, it was, felt they should have won. It, it felt, felt like, they, like okay, you didn't play your best best game, but it's right there for you. And then they just never see it. I'm never I'm worried they're going to have more of these types of kids because they play so slow. So their games, they're never out of it because yeah. of they're going to play play games in the 50s and 60s a lot. Like, so that was uh, that was ugh, that was not pleasant. So I was trying to think of that. I have something nice to say. But it was that guy's birthday, the one Hofstra. So that was, they had no yeah, chance. They did have. They did have that. <laughs> yeah, I forget. I like. I I totally forgot that Speedy Claxton was the coach at Hofstra. <laughs> Dude, that guy is, was so good. Like, that guy was insane how good he was. Um, yeah, on the local front, it wasn't a great weekend. Lacrosse season got underway, and the weather was cooperative, so that was nice. But uh, Hopkins lost. Maryland needed to, like double overtime in order to beat Richmond. Richmond's good, though. Uh, Loyola did get a nice win. Towson doesn't play until tomorrow. UMBC doesn't play until a couple of weeks from now. Navy uh, throttled Mount St. Mary's in their opener. So that's the, uh, the the story on the local front. As I mentioned, nothing more related to the Orioles, and I certainly sure as F do not care about the Pro Bowl, so 
I've got nothing. I'm sure. I think the NFC one, I think. If you say so, I, I'll never know. I can promise you that. I think they had fun. I will never, uh, if you say so. In my life, I will never know. I remember last year, like, deciding that I would look at it for a minute just because I wanted to see what, like, the, the flag football concept looked like. And then thinking, okay, like, because you can still, in flag football, you can still get, like, neat highlights of guys going up and making catches and stuff like that, but not enough to get me to watch. I, I was thinking that, in fact, I think Ray Lewis was mic'd up. Cool. He was, there were a lot of uh, sound bites coming from him. Neat. I'm sure. I'm sure it was neat for the parties involved. I'm sure everyone enjoyed their time and memories were made and they traded shirts at the end and they'll stay in touch for forever. I'm sure it was a lovely weekend. Um, I had a moment yesterday. It's funny because, uh, by the way, happy birthday to my my son, uh, oh. my, my baby boy. My baby boy turns uh, nine today, nine years old. Wow. And uh, he wanted Sakura last night for his birthday dinner. And that was always my go-to on Unfortunately, the too. one near me closed. The one out in Hunt Valley. No. It's closed. I don't know what the story is on that. But we went. We found it. I mean, renovating I, or something. Or I, somebody told me they gone. might be opening a new one, like somewhere on York Road. But I don't. So you went to Bento instead, and we went to whatever the name of the place is in Parkville. That's okay. basically Sakura, right? Like that's what we did, and it was lovely. We had a lovely dinner. But during the day, he like he's pushing it. Like I have to come home early from work today to do more birthday. Like we're really, we are. You only turn nine. We once. are milking this cow. You man. only turn nine once. Like. Um, so yesterday during the day, he's like, uh, tomorrow's my birthday. And like he kept asking for more things. Like I had to take him to putt putt. And then he's like, well, can we go home and watch Ant Man or whatever the, the hell? Grammys, he wanted so. I'm like, yeah, he was with. Well, I got some thoughts there. So he kept asking for more and more. And at one point, I was like, well, I got to get on the elliptical. Not the new Ant Man, right? He wanted to watch the no, first No, he wanted two. to watch the first. The well, good, the no, good we're, we're doing the bit since the Disney cruise where they're going oh, back okay. and watching. Because they've only seen like snippets and like. Right, right. So they're watching all of the movies in chronological oh, that's order. Exciting. Uh, they're having a great time. They, they couldn't be having more. I'll come fun. back and watch it with Unfortunately, them. Unfortunately, that will, that will get at some point the Quantum Mania. <laughs> Stinks, stinks. Um, thank God for that Guardians movie last oh, year yeah. because it would have been a Not rough a year. year, rough, rough year in the uh, MCU. So they're in the process of all that. They wanted to go back and watch Ant Man. I'm like, all right, that's fine, but I got to get on the elliptical. And so I get on the elliptical, realizing like I, because I, I normally when I when I work out, I'll try to put something on my phone or something like that to watch if I'm just on the elliptical or on the bike. And I had, like, no games yesterday that I even remotely... There was nothing. I was like, I guess I'll just watch Ant-Man with the boys. Like, I have nothing. Purdue, Wisconsin Nothing, if you say so. I put on Mount St. Mary's Siena, oh, actually, yes. for a bit. I put on that. Yeah, uh, Dakota Lafayette went over 1,000 career points. Wow. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize... Let's rattle off a couple, I think. Siena, not very good. No, they are not good not at all. Not very good. <laughs> What happened there? They used to be good. Um, what happened with Siena? Did they used to be good? Yeah, when like, Patsos was there, they oh, were good. Yeah, I think okay. they won the, the... That was a long time ago. They won one of those, like the CBI or something like that <laughs> one year. They were in the tournament a few times. Siena used to be good. So um, that's, what I was, that's what I was watching. And at one point, my son said, well, what are you watching? And I was like, I'm watching a basketball game. And he couldn't... Like He was like, Mount St. Mary, Siena. Uh, <laughs> Even he was like... And I swear to God, he said to me, he's like, do you watch the Pro Bowl? And I said, 
no, I don't. He's like, well, I kind of think I want to. And I said to him, no, you don't. <laughs> but he wants to occur tonight or not. We were talking, yeah, right. We were talking for a minute. It's me trying to talk to a nine-year-old about this topic. And he was eight-year-old at the time, right? Well, that's a great point. Now that he's nine, he might be way more mature and <laughs> capable of handling the subject. But we're talking about it being a flag football game and not really actually being football, and Lamar's not even there and the whole thing. There's still seven of them there, I think. Uh, Yeah, that's that was right. Yeah, they had seven. I saw a picture yeah. floating around the internet of the seven Ravens pro bowlers, and I was like, again, neat. Ne- neato, gang. Neato. Terrific. Good for you guys. But he said, he said, would you ever watch flag football? And it was a great question because I was reminded that flag football is going to go to the Olympics. And I was like, will I care for as much hubbub was made about flag football going to the Olympics? Would I care? And I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that you can make it compelling to me to watch flag football. It was always fun to play as a kid. I always enjoyed when, like, somebody would say, hey, we're going to get together to play flag football because, like, you know, come on. We're not going to go out there and play full tackle football games. Like, I always enjoyed mm, well. that uh, once a year. Once a year. My Thanksgiving? Co- my cousin. No, it was on New Year's Day. My cousins oh. organized, and everybody was hung the <laughs> F over. <laughs> it was in Forest Hill in Harford County. Oh, My man. cousins arranged this game every year, and I would be messed up. And I'd look around, and they were t- like 10 years older than me, and they were even more messed up. And it was full on, and it it hurt like hell. Like hell, man. And the, the point for them was to get drunk enough, so they would just keep drinking ah, during see. the game. Yeah. So get drunk enough that like it didn't matter. Like, you wouldn't feel feelings anymore. It was a hell of a day. Hell of a day, their annual uh, uh, New Year's Day uh, football game, which I, I think I think caused some of them to not be capable of walking any longer. I always worry about that as I look at my now. They're now about 50, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I think I'm seeing the impacts. It's not great. But um, I enjoyed flag football. I just don't know that even in the Olympics, even if they had NFL players involved. I mean, yeah, because if. I don't know. Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, like. But, like, the U.S. team's just going to be drastically better than everybody else. They better. Truth be told, I don't really like watching the basketball at the Olympics. Um, I was more, whatever the last, what was the last Olympics? That was 21, or it was 2020. Yeah, it was was in 2021. Yeah, I remember remember caring. Maybe because I was in college and I had nothing else to do. No, I like the Olympics. But I'm saying specifically these – flag football in general does very little for me. You know what sport is amazing every time you get to the Olympics? Beach volleyball. You you like – Curling. You, you don't – I like curling, but that's different Olympics. Yeah. At yeah. the Summer Olympics, every time you get back to it, you find yourself being reminded of how cool beach volleyball is. And there's no way to explain it, right? Because it's not – there's only two people – there can't be that much strategy involved. But it's fun, man, and seeing everybody dive around and keep the like it's a it you dig it. I enjoy watching be I enjoy watching volleyball at the Olympics too. Um but I really enjoy watching beach volleyball at the Olympics because they're also very attractive people and very you know, very small. I always like cross country skiing too. I don't know why. Okay, that's weird. That's that again, you, you keep bringing that. up the winter Olympics. Yeah, I know, I don't know We're why. We're talking I about like the, the summer Olympics. Olympics. Which are the ones this year. Right. 
Well, you still got time before those happen. I don't think that I will be invested in flag football in the Olympics. I don't think that that will be something that will get me going. I mean, like, I... Definitely have to check it out. Uh, y- you can enjoy that. I'll let you be our flag football reporter. Okay. Oh, are you going to send me? It's not... No. Yeah? It's not this year anyway, right? It's not until 28, I don't think. Oh, uh, that's don't think that, Yeah, oh, okay. this Olympics, right. I don't think they're going to have them anyway. But yeah, he asked me that question. I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll watch flag football in the Olympics, right? And then I st- stopped and I was like, no, I don't think I will. I was Captain America. No, I I don't think I will. I was like, I don't I don't see myself caring about flag football. It, it's good for them; they get to be involved. But if the NFL players are involved, then the U.S. will just win by a billion. And if they're not involved, then maybe they'll set up some storylines for they lose. It's like watching twenty eight. Every time you get back, and you're like, Am I going to watch Olympic baseball? And then you realize how absurd it is they're doing this. Like, hey, uh, we're going to have the best athletes in the world and then a beer league baseball tournament. (laughs) You're like, they've got career minor leaguers, guys who definitely aren't good enough. And they're like, let's go do a tournament with these guys and pretend like it's the best athletes in the world. Should they stop the MLB season? I mean, they never will. Yeah. Like, I mean, it'd be the the only way. I've said before. They did it two weeks. And and it's, it's problematic. I'll never... As much as you guys want the World Baseball Classic to be a thing because you get to that time of year and like you just you want to get your juices flowing, it, it's not a thing. It's not a real competition. The pitchers aren't allowed to pitch. Like it's not legitimate in any way. There is nothing legitimate about the World Baseball Classic. It's neat, and the people that are involved seem like they're having a good time. But it's an exhibition. That's all it is, and that's all that. If you let the real players participate in the Olympics, it'd be the same problem. No one will ever allow their pitcher to throw in seven innings in a baseball game that doesn't involve their team. It's just not going to happen. So I, I, I don't even know what to say. So you're not like, watching the Olympics is what you're saying. No, I like the Olympics. That's the goofy. I like the swimming. Every time you get – relay swimming is one of the coolest okay. television yes. sports there is. It's so hard to explain. Everybody always has the memories of what happened in the one relay – uh, when Michael Phelps was trying to protect his eight gold medals, and it was the most ridiculous thing that we've ever seen in sports. Relay swimming is always really good. Always really good. The The handball is compelling to watch, even though the U.S. sucks. Sucks! It's a legitimate tennis to- I get a Out of nowhere, uh, yeah. I get a, the fifth most important tennis tournament of the year. Just pops up in the middle of the summer for no reason. I love the Olympics. I just have to be realistic about it. I don't know how we got here because that wasn't um, what the topic flag was. Football. Flag football. Yes, flag football was the topic. You love the Pro Bowl. That's Yes, big big Pro Bowl guy over here. I can't help but watch. And now we shift into... Dan Orlovsky was making these quarterbacks on the skills good, challenge. Neat for Dan Orlovsky. Look, good. Okay. Pedestrian. Who cares? So, he's got to go sign him. Does that get him something? Might be the back of the Brock Purdy. Probably on. not. <laughs> Probably not the case. So, yes, that shifts us into what becomes Super Bowl week. And in a lot of broadcast media, this is their Super Bowl. Hey, hey, hey. We obviously have no interest. This is the, this is the difficult part for what we do is that Super Bowl storylines are usually good even for local media. Even for local broadcast companies talking about these storylines, I just, I, I have the fatigue that the rest of you have. We're just not there. Will we watch? Yeah, of course. 
It's the last football game of the year. What are we going to do, not watch? I, I, I think that for the most part, Ravens fans feel inclined to root for the 49ers, but it's like a really soft root for the – it's as soft as soft gets. It's like a, yeah, we don't want them, and I guess that means we have to want them. But we don't actually want them either. It it's a it's a it's a weird vibe. Oh my god, I'll be the one to do it today. It's a weird vibe because embracing the Brock Purdy story seems like again the most embraceable part about the Super Bowl, but it requires you to revisit the thing we were just discussing a couple of weeks ago, where Brock Purdy was considered the leading MVP candidate, and with all due respect to Brock Purdy, we all know. And so, like, being super effusive in your praise of Brock Purdy is not something that we're inclined to do. I had a moment last night. I did watch the Grammys. I like music. I watch the Grammys every year. I watch... No, I don't watch most award shows. I take that back. I used to. I used to be a big award show person. I'm out. Uh, the, the Academy yeah. Awards, there's four awards that you care about and three hours of nonsense, of dreck. I, I, it, it might be that there's nothing else to watch this year, so I happen to flip it. I don't know. but I feel like I, d- I did feel that. Like It was like there is nothing going on last night, which I guess is always that first Sunday. Oh, it's, it's bleak. But, man. Sunday but, nights are bleak. Yeah. Bleak. It is just not anything going on for until you get to the NBA playoffs. Like until the NBA, uh, the NCAA, sorry, NCAA tournament, NBA playoffs. Mm. Or if you're the Orioles, will have a couple more Sunday night games this year, so that'll help, right? But like, unless your team is playing on a Sunday night, there's no baseball game that you just care about so badly that you're looking forward to Sunday night. But those two teams have played two other games that weekend. If you really cared all that deeply about it, you could have watched the other games. You don't. You don't care all that deeply about two random baseball teams playing a game. It's just, you, you can't. Sorry, it's not a sport that can do that. Oh. You don't care about it with regular season basketball either. Like, unless it's your team. If your team is playing in the game, and I don't I don't know who you're, I mean, I, there's, a, there's like six Wizards fans in this area. There's like six See, Wizards fans in the who world. Who should I pick this year? To be your basketball team? Yeah. You can jump on the Suns bandwagon. They scored 140 yesterday against the Wizards. Um, so Hawks aren't any good this year, are they? I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. That guy Trey Young. I like him. I do like Trey Young. <laughs> I am a fan of Trey Young's work. Um, but it's bleak, right? So I watched the Grammys last night, and I had, um, I had a moment where it struck me that the parallel is Taylor Swift's Brock Purdy, and like we, this is what we celebrate, and I, it's. It's a conversation that I'm not really qualified to have about, like, mediocre white performers who are celebrated like they are iconic talents. Taylor Swift ain't that. She's a, a, a good singer. She's not a great singer. She's good. But look around, man. Like, do you think Taylor Swift is Mariah Carey? Beyonce? People who have natural gifts and abilities that are that they were born with and that's the Brock Purdy Lamar Jackson thing like w- football players were furious about the comparison between Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson because they're like dude no disrespect that guy's fine but this guy has god-given talent and ability that 
is so much more significant than this person. Taylor Swift is Brock Purdy. She's a game manager. She's a system pop star. She said, she's a, her songs are, they used to be. They used to, she doesn't make good songs anymore. The anti-hero was good. That was a good, find a good song. It, but it's laughable. I mean, like they're giving her album of the year when like it's not even in the top 10. She's the game manager that people have embraced. It's that we decided we like this thing. We just like it. We like the formula. We like the system. We like it. So it kind of doesn't matter anymore. We just think that everything that she does is great. She's Brock Purdy. She's she's passable. She's not offensive to the senses. Like, oh, yeah, there's old Taylor again. Whereas everybody else is doing things that are like maybe a little avant-garde, maybe a little bit different. They're like, whoa, I don't know. She just kind of continues to exist and be that person. And I don't care. I don't care nearly enough about this. I, like in the moment, I cared. By today, I don't actually care about the Grammy Awards. Who should have won it, Olivia Rodrigo? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo definitely was better, but I, I think SZA probably should have won Album of the Year. Okay, yeah. Like. Um, it, it, by the way, it wasn't a great... You know, it's the other part, too. The, last night's nominees were not great. I don't know what happened there. Like, I, I finally looked at him, and I was like, wow, what? This was a weird year. Like, that Miley Cyrus song is not that good. It's, oh, I love flowers. It's fine. It's like, it's, it's like the Harry Styles stuff that's won the last couple years. It's all fine. It's not transcendent in any way. It's just... It's fine. Like, they might all be game managers at this point. They might all be Brock Purdy's. Like, nobody's making... None of the nominees, and maybe that's the problem, is the only way to get nominated is just to be a game manager. Um, SZA did something that was truly unique and artistic and special, and, you know, SZA probably should have won. The Billie Eilish song, everybody tells me how great it is, and I'm like, I, guys, I just don't. It's not. Like, it. I think it was a good fit for the movie. I think it worked. But it's not that great of a song. It's melodic. It's it's again. It's it fits right with what uh, we're honoring anymore. I don't know what I don't know what happened. Spider the Spider Verse album up for anything? No, no. I guess maybe no. that'll be an Oscars thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the Barbie thing will win the Oscars. Yeah, right that's too. the way it's gone. Um, yeah, I just sort of had that moment watching the Grammys where I'm like, it's Brock Purdy. That's what it is. Taylor Swift is Brock Purdy, and we just all decided that's what we like. We like the. Not not when I say we, I don't mean me. Like it's it's consistent. It's there. It doesn't that. Th- Ugh, dreck. Just dreck. All right, we'll come back in. I bet I'll be the only guy making that comparison today. Um, yeah. When yeah, we yeah. come back in, we'll talk more about. Sorry, Corbin. I'm not more worked up. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I, again, it requires me to actually care. When I'm watching the Grammys, I get mad. I care. And then five minutes later, I just don't give a rat's ass. That's your point about watching the award shows. I just, you know, I know I'll see all everything I need on Twitter. Right. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. The fast car thing. The fast car, yeah. It was neat. It it needed much less of Luke Combs and much more of Tracy Chapman. Like, all due respect to that guy. His cover is totally fine. He's not in the, like, she's here. He's here. He's above zero. Like, it's not a bad cover. Everybody loves Luke Combs. Tracy Chapman's here. Like, you're just not, you're swimming in different waters, Chief. Every moment she's not singing is a wasted moment. I see, like, there was something else that I enjoyed from last night, but I can't. Miley Cyrus performed, right? Yeah. That's, that song's fine. It's fine. 
Um, Fantasia Barino doing um, Proud Mary was wonderful. That was outstanding. The In Memoriam at the Grammys. Is all, all right, we're not going to be able to take a break. We're going to run out of time here. Uh, um, okay. The In my, Memoriam. My yeah, we really, you really screwed this up. The In Memoriam at the Grammys is always very good. Like, this year was very good because it's always very good. Um, uh, what's her face? Annie Lennox doing Nothing Compares to You was wonderful. That was outstanding. It's just, eh. it was all kind of eh to me. Like, it had its moments. The awards were bad, but they're kind of always bad. I feel like the Grammys would be better if they just got rid of the awards. Like, just don't give out any awards. Just don't do that. Like, invite a bunch of people that make good music during the course of the year. Let them play some songs. Recognize people that passed away. Do that whole deal. And don't, just don't screw it up by giving out awards because you guys can't handle that anymore. Like, it's just, it's not something you're capable of doing. It, I, I saw somewhere last night that Taylor Swift has now won the same number of Album of the Year awards as Stevie Wonder, and that is bat-ass insane. <laughs> like, Stevie Wonder is one of the most talented humans that has ever lived. And made the greatest music of uh, this in any generation. It's it's laughable. Maybe she's Tom Brady and we're just not willing to accept it yet. No, no. I, I, there's a weird, because Tom Brady got better with age. Like, her, she She's still young made, in her career. She made some good music for a little while. There was a stretch in there where she was making memorable good music. That, that stretch ended. Today's show... Always, I actually don't like this part of the program. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. You're thinking about betting the uh, big game this week. The place to do it is Superbook. You know, yes, your team's not involved, and that's a bummer, but that doesn't mean you can't still make money. What are you doing with your life? The number has gone up to 49ers minus two during the course of the week, and there's about a billion props available for you. Will either team score... Four straight times. No, a significant favorite at minus 350. Will either team score in the first seven and a half minutes of the game? Yes, is a minus 170 favorite. Find them all right now. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. The Baltimore Orioles made a trade last week that shook up the baseball world. Obviously, we're very excited about the acquisition of Corbin Burns. So what exactly is it that the Orioles are getting this season? Let's head out to Milwaukee where uh, their color analyst and uh, former catcher Bill Schroeder is with us now here on GCR. Bill, it's uh, Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Well, you know, I was uh, actually born in Baltimore. I didn't know that. uh, a year and a half. The first year and a half of my life in Baltimore, some of the happiest days of my life. And, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I have a, a soft spot in my, ha- my heart for uh, Baltimore. I played at Memorial Stadium and a little upset with you all because I had the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. Oh, we don't want to talk about that, Bill. We really don't. We, we, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. It was great news for us last week that we uh, went from uh, that likely being the topic of conversation in town for a couple yeah. weeks to very quickly – having much more exciting things for us to discuss. It was yeah. good it was good news for us. Um Bill, yeah, right, well. Bill, when I, I, I we all know that Corbin Burns is good. I'm going to ask you to try to define how good is Corbin Burns? Like for well, yeah. I, I, well, you know I, what I, I say not no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not not only not only is he, you know, one of the best pitchers in the big leagues. Um uh, he's a guy that will take the ball every fifth day. 
He doesn't miss starts. I think the last time that he uh, was actually on the injured list, he was on the COVID list in 21. Um, he's taking the ball every single time, whether it be, you know, last day of the season or what have you. He wants the baseball. He's got the best cutter. I know you got that Class A kid uh, in uh, in Cleveland, but as far as average velocity on a cutter, Corbin Burns, second to nobody. And uh, he's a student of the game. He's a perfectionist. And he makes everybody around him better. Every time he takes the mound, you expect to be in a good position to win. He very rarely has a bad start. Um, and um, and that's what you're getting. You're getting a former Cy Young Award winner and um, a guy that uh, just – he has a way of just instilling a lot of confidence in the whole roster when he's out there on the mound. There, a, a point has been made that the num- like the numbers were so insane a couple of years ago that the last two years the numbers have actually gone slightly the other way. However, in the second half of last year, he appeared to pitch his best. Is, is this just a case of like when you have a season that's as insane as his 2021 season was, it's going to be very difficult for even the greatest pitcher to replicate that and the, the point is, he's still insanely good and better than most everybody else. No doubt. And he gives you a chance to win every day. I mean, that season that he won the Cy Young Award, I mean, it was just off the charts every time you know, he went out to the mound. I mean, he never really made any mistakes. And when he did, he grinded over it you know, for four days. He, he gave up, I think, eight home runs that year. That was it. And you're talking about pitching in a ballpark, American Family Field. That could be a bandbox when, when it's summertime. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to, for any hitter or even, you know, a pitcher to live up to what he was able to do in, uh, in his Cy Young Award season. But uh, still, I mean, he's better than most. You know, Corbin Burns, when he's at about 75%, is probably better than most pitchers in the big leagues. And what you get in Corbin Burns is a number one starter. Um, you know, he, the reason, you know, the Brewers didn't want to give him up, but they felt that the, uh, the, the value, you know, right now is, is right. the best for – what Matt Arnold was trying to do, we get two pretty good players, D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz, who's going to, they're both going to have a big impact on the season this year. So you get two, two young big leaguers um, in a process where the Brewers are feeling, though, that they're not going to be able to sign Corbin. And, um, you know, they, they get something pretty good out of them. So uh, did they want to get rid of him? No. But I think the writing was on the wall that we weren't, they weren't going to be able to sign him. So uh, you guys get, you guys get a bona fide number one starter and a potential Cy Young Award winner. Bill Schrader with us here on GCR. Baltimore native, uh, as we're chatting about the new <coughs> Orioles pitcher Corbin Burns. Bill, the, the person that Corbin Burns is and, and what he's going to bring to what, you know, again, it looks like he'll probably only be here for a year. He kind of confirmed that mm-hmm. um, in an interview on Friday that he's he wants to get the free agency, and we'll see. Maybe, maybe new ownership of the Orioles will just attempt to bowl him over. But it, the assumption is mm-hmm. he's here for a year. What kind of impact can he have on this group of Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer and these young pitchers in Baltimore that we've already seen such good things from, um, yeah. but might be willing, might be able to take a next step towards being, you know, top of the rotation guys themselves. The, the, he's always looking. You know, you, we get shots of him in the dugout with the other starters uh, during games, and they're holding baseballs and grips, and he and Wade Miley and Freddie Peralta and. You know, and uh, Woodruff, uh, you know, when he was uh, with the team. And, you know, they're, he's always looking to improve himself and other guys. I mean, if anybody on that roster that you have that you mentioned, you know, could come up with a cut or Corbin Burns is probably the best guy to teach him, 
know, what he does with that cut fastball. I mean, he throws in the upper 90s, and um, he's willing to help. He's willing to – he's a student of the game. I mean, the way he grinds through every one of his um, pitches after games, I mean, he will go through – it's not just, it's not the result, whether it was a hit or, or an out. It was, did I throw this pitch exactly where I wanted to? And if I didn't, why did I not do that? I mean, he analyzes to an extent that I've never seen before. But he doesn't overanalyze. He's still athletic out there on the mound. And if something's not working for him, there were times when the cutter wasn't working for him. He came up with a two-seamer. You know, the curveball was a good pitch for him. So um, he's a guy that is not stubborn in the fact that, you know, you go through a scouting report and say, I'm going to get cutters. So it's, if his cutter's not working that day, he's going to be flexible enough. And his catches are going to should be flexible enough to understand that. Um, but um, you're getting a, you're getting a guy that you know. I think that when his playing days are over, he could certainly be a, a guy that would be perfect in the minor leagues to teach young pitchers. I don't know if he's going to want to do that, but um, and the other thing about Corbin is, I mean, even in his Cy Young Award season and you know seasons beyond, he's always willing to talk to the, the media, the press. But he, he doesn't. He's not condescending. Um, he's not, he's not a guy that's going to come up to you and start a big chat, but if you corner him and you talk to him on the field, he will, he will give you as much time as you want. So you got to respect that out of a guy like Corbin. No question about that. Uh, moving to the American league, um, a lot is made about, Hey, now you're facing the AL East, but his numbers in his career against the AL have been pretty good. Is there any trepidation for you at all in thinking that, that that could be an impact him jumping over to the AL? No, I think that the AL East is uh, on on guard. You know, they, they, I mean, that, you know, Clayton Corbin Burns is afraid of anybody. I don't yeah. think he's afraid of any team. I mean, I think he likes to compete against the best. And when you're talking about, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, I mean, it was 101 wins last yeah. year. I mean, uh, fantastic season. I think you guys surprised a lot of people. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I mean, uh, there's going to be a target on their back this year because they they did have such a good season. So when you add a Corbin Burns, I think that this adds a lot of confidence to the whole roster. So I think that uh, the American League East is, uh, is you know should be you know concerned that you you guys have added a big time starter. Yeah, we're we're really excited about it, Bill. Like we are. We are losing our minds here. Can I ask on the other side, because D.L. Hall is going to join us a little bit later on today, who I like. You mentioned earlier that the opportunity that was in front of the Brewers. I assume mm-hmm. this is as simple as, it, it, and I know a lot of a lot has been made about, hey, why go out and sign Reese Hoskins and then turn around and trade mm-hmm. away Corbin Burns? Is it as simple as it's a really uphill battle for this team to have won a World Series and it's important to try to maximize – what it is that you can get that's just the nature of the way that team like the Brewers has to compete and you know mm-hmm. I, I guess what what is the thought process for them in why acquiring DL Hall and Joey Ortiz made sense to make this trade at this point Brewers want to make the playoffs again it's been uh, you know it's been a good run for them um you know Matt Arnold has always had a reputation as you well probably know you know with the Tampa Bay Rays is a guy that likes to acquire young talent. Um, you know, look what the Tampa Bay Rays were able to do. They had a few down years, but, uh, you know, they have been really good. They have been really good since, in large part, with some of the decisions that, uh, you know, Matt Arnold did make. Now, for the Brewers, I mean, this is not a rebuild. This is a retool. And I think that uh, Matt Arnold got a sense that, you know, the value for Corbin Burns is at its highest right now. I mean, the longer you wait to trade, 
a guy like uh, you know Corbin Burns, you wait to the trading deadline, you know you're not going to probably get as much as you would if you trade him to the Baltimore Orioles. You get two bona fide big leaguers like D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz. So you you sign Reese Hoskins because you know the middle of the infield and you know the outfield is looking good for the Brewers, but they needed some power on the corners. And I know Hoskins missed you know last year with an injury, but uh, he's got uh, he's got the power. He's the first baseman that's going to hit and. Um, the, the Brewers are by no stretch of the imagination are looking to rebuild. I mean, that's, that's not a term that you're ever going to hear in Milwaukee, but uh, it's a retool. And uh, these two guys that we got from, you got from the Baltimore Orioles are going to be a big part of that down the road. Um, I, you know, I, you could, you didn't do anything to make me less excited about Corbin Burns, Bill. He didn't do anything there to make me, I, I just, boy, I, I can't even imagine like I, how much, what it's must've been like for these last few years. I, I bring it up all the time and you worked with great pitchers, but like yeah. what it does for a team, what it does for a city to know, as you brought up that every fifth day that that guy is going out, and that's the guy. That's the dude. And we yeah. haven't had that guy in Baltimore right. since Mike Messina. Like, that's how yeah, long right. it's been since we've had right. that guy. And the impact that it has on every ounce of the franchise, it just has to be overwhelming, and that, I think, is what we're most excited yeah. about. Well, and that's the thing. There's nothing you're not going to like about Corbin. I mean, I've been with, I've been with the Brewers for now. This will be my... 30th year doing TV and he, he's, a, he's, he's a bulldog. I mean, the guy is, he's serious when he goes out there, he, he wants to compete. Um, and you know, you, you're going to love having this guy on your team. And it's not just, you know, you, when your leaders are your best players and your leaders take the ball every fifth day or your leaders position players are playing every day, like a Prince fielder used to do, he would never want to take a day off and he would never want to come out of the lineup when, the Brewers are either up by 10 or down by 10. He refused to come out. So that's the kind of guy Burns is. No matter what the situation is, he's going to take the ball. And what he does in between starts as well. I mean, the work that he puts in has a big impact on some of these young guys you're going to have on your team. Bill, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Thanks so much for doing it. And we'll look forward to it. It won't be long into the season before we're giving you a call to talk about the first right. matchup between Corbin Burns and his old friends. Yeah, looking forward to it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bill Schroeder with us here on uh, GCR, Brewers color analyst and former catcher. When we come back in, we'll catch up with uh, Jeremy Kahn. The last time we talked to him, none of these things had happened. So we'll have a lot to discuss with our buddy Jeremy Kahn next here on Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. All right. Oh, I need my mic on. Yeah, that's uh, that's important. Griffin was making some personnel changes over there for a second. I, th- I think I'm still around. I think that's the case. Goose Flights Lager is available right now in so many locations around town. So you can get cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. You can get cans at Alonzo's in Roland Park. You can get cans at the Green Turtle Bet Parts Sportsbook, and I know our next guest is a fan of that establishment. You can get cans and six-packs at Costa Sin and Dundalk, as well as at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. And you can get six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden, and that list is expected to grow Goose Flights Lager Available now, and on top of being a delicious beer, perfect for your big game party this weekend, it's also a great cause, as 198 from every can sold will go to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation. It was the vision of the late, great Tony Siragusa, and it has been carried on by his family. His daughter, Sammy, is running the foundation to provide non-emergency medical transport for those in need Find out more, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights, gooseflights lager, available now. Available now here on GCR, our friend Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, Green Turtle uh, Sports Betting Ambassador, and also, of course, concretelocks.com. What's going on, brother? How are you? And one time is one Miss uh, Florence Levine. 
uh, at a very uh, nice establishment. So that, ooh. anyway, ooh, yeah. uh, ooh, let's uh, talk. Let's talk more. Let's. How talk. was your weekend? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not uh, not as exciting as yours. Um, hey man, so you and I haven't talked since all, this all started last Tuesday. Like yeah, we had a completely different conversation. And I know that you and I don't normally like talking sports, but like I, I, I really, I think everybody knows your love of the Orioles, how important they are to you. It's really your first love as a sports fan. Um, yeah. Th- this week, I, I've I've tried because on Tuesday night when everything broke, I was trying to be the one to be responsible about it and reasonable. Hey, let's see how this goes. Let's not get too carried away. Let's remember the baseball team did win 101 games last year. You don't want to. And then, like within within two days, I found myself being, I will worship at the altar of David Rubenstein. This is the greatest moment <laughs> in my life. Um, how are you feeling about the events of the past week? Well, I changed religions, so like that's <laughs> right. how I'm feeling. I'm I'm all aboard, man. Yeah, Whatever right. you can think of. You're in the tribe. Um, <laughs> I joined the tribe. Uh, you know, look, you you can't be an Oriole fan and not be excited about everything that just happened. I mean, from something is simplistic as it starts off as the team's getting sold and you're like oh i wonder what that means but i know i'm happy about it this guy is a little bit more wealthy than those guys he seems like he's he's an oriole fan and you feel like you're going to spend money and then boom a day later you trade for one of the best pitchers in baseball and then you look at what you gave up and it's very it's very favorable even though i like ortiz and d.o hall i think they're going to be good major leaguers but they weren't the cream of the crop of what you had and let's be honest ortiz was blocked like, I don't know how you didn't go from six to midnight hearing all that, unless you were a lady. Um, and then on top of it, man, like you, you look at all the other stuff and what it means the most to me is that there's a chance that Jackson, Gunner, and Adley, maybe two of them, but maybe all three, end up staying in Baltimore for a lengthy period of time if they turn out to be what we expect. And yeah. I think we already know they're going to be. I, I'm still, that one's still difficult for me, honestly, because just the, this, the sheer timing of it all, like with Adley now only being a year away from arbitration and having already made money, I, I don't know where his camp is. And we all know the story on Gunner and, and Jackson. They're both Scott Boris clients, and that is particularly difficult to try to get done. So I'm trying not to, like, I'm trying not to measure my excitement by whether or not that happens because I, I want it to be like a pleasant surprise if it does and not disappoint me if it doesn't. But I, I think the point is that, like, hey, in the future, there's a greater chance for these types of things to happen. And, and the, like, the, nobody thinks the Orioles are suddenly going to become the Dodgers. It's just that, like, being somewhere close to the league average would be really nice. And, and I think the, the big thing, and I'm writing about it at PressBox today, this is the type of move that the Orioles should be able to make. Like, the last ownership should have been able yep. to make this move. That, that's the part... And I know Mike Elias said all the right things, like, well, John Angelos was the control person. Like, come on, man. Like, we're not going to – Well, it, you, know. you know what he's trying to do there. It's like, okay, so some people aren't going to believe that Angelos had any doings in this. I, I still believe they were talking to the Brewers right. since last year, but until this team was about to be sold, I don't think Angelos wanted any moves going down with an expiring contract. Correct. And this is where – but this is the type of move. When you have the team – we all go back to how they absolutely bungled at every level the Manny Machado situation. They had options. There were three options that were on the table. Like, you could extend him, you could trade him when his value was at the highest, or you could go all in to try to win when you had him. And somehow they did none of those three things. And any of those things were legitimate options. You could attempt to pull off any of those three things, and they went 0 for 3. And 
whatever ends up happening with this core of Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Jackson Holiday, one of the options is recognize this is your timetable and and go all in. Go try to win during this this five year stretch that you have. And it's not five anymore with Adley, but you know what I mean. Like go if you can't get them to sign long term. Go all in and try to put the best possible team on the field that you can in order to win. This is this is a move that any ownership group should be able to see and should be able to make work. And if that's the bare minimum of what you can expect from David Rubenstein's group, that's a huge win for me. Like just that's it. This is such an easy move to make. You got a logjam of talent at the middle infield. You you have a you need a starting pitcher. It all works out. This is always something that a baseball team should be capable of doing. Oh, there's no question. And I mean, I still get excited hearing John Paul Morosi go. Still, and, and the cease thing is obviously going to cost you more because he's got an extra year. Um, but like you you look at the type of player you're getting, the age. Like Burns had his worst year ever, and he was still the second best pitcher in the right. National League. Right. So like, if that doesn't get you excited, like. Maybe he has his second worst year ever, and he ends up as the fourth best pitcher in the American League. I'd take it. And and he's coming to a better ballpark. He's coming to a team with a better defense, in my opinion. So I think he's only going to get better. But uh, but all this, like, it, it's it's a reason to be excited when there's all this stuff going on with the Ravens that doesn't make you excited. You know, like right. uh, losing that playoff game, what Harbaugh had to say at the press conference didn't really make sense to me. And, and then on top of it, Mike McDonald's now in Seattle. You've got defensive coaches that are in – what uh, Miami and Tennessee, uh, in yeah. Tennessee now as well. So you've got a lot of things that you got to replace. But with the Orioles, man, it looks it does feel like liftoff. What is the difference? Like, okay, so look at this team right now. Their ability to win a World Series. What's standing between the Orioles at the moment and their ability to win a World Series this year? Um, I I do think that the way that they're constructed on paper right now, they are the best team in the American League, and that is adding a Jackson Holiday shortstop to which. He's been compared to A-Rod, so I've told people, go look at what A-Rod did his rookie year, and if he gets anything close to that, like it's like, oh, my God, they traded for you know, a, a great hitter and a great pitcher in what you're adding into your lineup this year. Um, I, you know, the only thing I think, I mean, is experience. Did they get enough? Like, people bring that up all the time. I don't know how much it matters until it matters, um, getting tight in the game, but they've all played baseball at a really high level. So I, I think the only thing getting in their way is injuries or themselves. I... I still have concerns about the back end of the bullpen, right? Like that's, that's the part. Fine, yeah. That's the part about as much as I think it was a no-brainer to make the trade that they made, I am not as enamored about the idea of Craig Kimbrell as a lot of other people are. I I just I think that he is a liability to some extent at this point in his career and I don't I mean that in context, right? Like I don't think he stinks, but yeah. I don't but know. But he's not Batista. Right. And how many times during the week are you counting on Craig Kimbrell? And I thought that you needed to have closer B available to you. And to me, D.L. Hall was going to be closer B for this team this season. And maybe Tyler Wells could end up being that guy, although he certainly doesn't have the, the pure stuff um, fastball-wise that D.L. Hall has. So I got to see what that looks like. I'm still a little bit nervy about the back end of the bullpen with no Felix Batista there. I I still feel like they could use one more like legit thumper. And I know that's difficult because you don't even know what the spot is that's available for that. But I, I feel like there could be one more power bat. Like how many, how many, but let me, let me throw this at you while you're doing it. Like how confident are you that they would go get that guy to trade that right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that there's more of an opportunity to do that in the bullpen, right? Okay. Like, in the bullpen, yeah. if, if th- something isn't working early on in the season, I have more confidence, A, in their ability to find someone within the system that they look at and say, we think that there's something there that you don't. They have proven that part of this, that they have a kind of a special sauce in taking an arm and making them a strong bullpen arm. The, the other part of it, I, I, yeah, like, I hear you. That this now ownership group says, hey, if that's the problem, go do it. Go find that big bat in the middle of the lineup. And they might be saying, hey, we want to give Heston Kerstad a chance to prove that he is that. Or we want to give – but I, that'd be the one thing that I look at and say, outside yeah. of Santander, whose home run power do you – there's a lot of guys that can hit home runs, but who else do you fear in this lineup, their ability to hit home runs? Yeah, so the, the, to your point, I mean, the scary part is, like, Gunner's doubles will turn into home runs. Does it take a year or two? I mean, he's already bigger and stronger. I think he's going to get there. We haven't seen Jackson Holiday at the major league level, but I also think that's a guy you end up fearing because of power. Mount Castle has been inconsistent, even though, like, you know, there's power there. Um, but ultimately, I think things start to get weird for this team when they start deciding whether or not these are guys that are going to be here for the future of this ball club, meaning what happens with Cedric Mullins if he doesn't improve at the, at the plate right. and we don't see right. him take a step forward. Mountcastle, very inconsistent. So could he be a, a trade piece to get better there? Or is Adley eventually going to move the first when Baseo's ready? Or are they going to all, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's all different types of things that could happen down the line, but ultimately those are things that you have to consider. So, um, yeah, I, I think you made a great point about the bullpen probably being the one part of this team, but in the back of my mind, and that's why I asked you the question, is that I do feel like this team is ripe to make a move to go get somebody if they needed them now, as opposed to in years past where it's like, I hope we get someone, and it's right. like, it's Fujinama. Yeah, so, correct. Yeah, yeah, that's that's who you can go get. And it's fun for a day, and then you're like, oh, right, right. Yeah. This is yeah. what we're capable of giving. No, the, the point, and I think I, the micro of Corbin Burns is important. The macro is so much more important than that is what you're bringing up. It's the belief that this means if this is the first thing you're doing, then there's probably more things that you're willing to do. And that's what makes this so exciting and adds the level of, of what we're feeling as Orioles fans. And, so. and the other cool, cool part of this, and I'm sure you brought it up, is that if Corbin Burns walked at the end of the year, they get a similar draft pick right. back Correct. Um, that they traded away. Yeah. So, in essence, you traded a year. Like That's it. That's the worst-case scenario is that he walked at the end of the year, you get something back, which I think is awesome as well. As and and he kind of confirmed that in the interview that he did with, with the foul territory on Friday. He kind of confirmed, like, look, man, you know, I'm going to free agency. That's the, yeah. you know, it's short of somebody bowling you over. And who knows? Like, maybe that's what David Rubenstein and his group are going to be, is the group that wants to bowl people over. But I don't have an issue with that. And, and I said that the, the night of the deal. If somehow they were to sign him, it might go down as one of the greatest trades in baseball history, but I, I'm not measuring it based on that. It was a no-brainer move to make when you have an opportunity to win right now, and like you had a you had a problem with all of these infielders. You did not have the opportunity. Joey Ortiz is 26 years old, and he's there was no path for him. And I love Joey. He might Ortiz. be the oldest best glove in the minor leagues, you know. Right. So. <laughs> like I, I love Joe. I think Joey Ortiz is a heck of a baseball player. But there just wasn't an opportunity for him here. It wasn't going to happen. And so you had to do something. And in doing that, you got Corbin Burns. Even if it's for a year, 1,000% on board. 1,000%. It was the correct move to make. And I am good with it. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on uh, Glenn Clark Radio. So are you at, do you care at all about the Grammys? Does it do anything for you? Do you ever watch? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't usually watch. I don't care about it. You know, this. I'm sorry. I'm driving next to somebody who doesn't know how to drive. They're, they're in two different lanes. Ah. I'm losing my mind. Ah. I'm going to see my grandfather. It just really pissed me off. I don't know if you heard my horn in the background. Guy's driving in the middle of two lanes and he won't get over to one of them. Like, pick one. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and the question again was, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. The, what did you just the, ask The me? Grammys. Do you ever, do you the care Grammys. even a little bit? Uh, yeah, I do. Because, like, I, I love music, man. Yep. It's been, um, it's a big part of my life. I don't always watch the Grammys, but I watch a lot of the recaps. Anybody who knows me knows that uh, for a while there, I think for about a three-month period, I was getting super high getting in the tub and listening to Tracy Chavin's Fast Car on a Loop. So, I love those two playing together, her and Luke Holmes. I, I, there's a lot that I like about the Grammys, and I don't care who gets the awards. Like, that means nothing to me because, you know, sometimes you're looking at some of this stuff and going, I don't know anything about this person. But, again, like, there's, I don't know, there's a politics of who gets awards, who doesn't. Um, none of that bothers me, but I just like seeing the artists. I, I like feel like they should stop. Performing. They should just stop giving away awards. Like, that's the, I, I had that, like, moment last night where I said the, the awards are by far the worst part of this. It like, should just be a celebration of music. That's bingo. all it should be. Just uh, people that made memorable music during the course of the year, bring them all together, have them perform with each other, celebrate people that passed away, do that whole thing. Like the Fantasia Barino Proud Mary thing was awesome. And um, yeah. Annie Lennox doing Nothing Compares to You was beautiful. I don't know if you took any – did you take any uh, tips uh, watching now, that? Did they have to find another bald chick? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, or think was it just, I, I think that's what uh, it is was. Is that part of it? I'm I think sorry. That, I think I'm that was part of the, the deal. I think that but, was part of the deal. Um, no, I thought it was all great, but the awards stink. Like they never get them right. They never, ever, ever get the like. They, like they they gave Outcast album of the year once. It's like the only time in the history of the modern history of music that they've gotten it right. Um, well, it turns these people into enemies too, which is so funny. Like to me, where um, like if you read Ed Sheeran's uh, lips after uh, Taylor Swift said something, he basically said, "Well, he didn't. He said BS. Like uh, mouth the words out of her, like whoever she was thanking the other artist." And it's like, oh. Because, like, people know, like, certain artists don't like other ones or it comes out. Like, if you were watching the We Are the World documentary, which oh is amazing. Oh, my God. It's incredible. You, you find out about the Prince and Michael Jackson hatred of one another and how bad it was. And then when they actually performed it live, Prince wouldn't sing, yep. which was just so crazy. Because yep. they wouldn't let him play a gu uh, guitar yep. solo He said, We Are the World. I'll come do a guitar you know? solo in another room. I'll come yeah. in another room and do the guitar. By the way, I'm so glad you brought that up because after the Grammys, that was what I watched last night because I was all like high on music at that moment. Um, yeah. There is, I think, Uproxx did a power ranking of the top five performers from We Are the World and the Doc, right? Oh, and wow. Okay. I, I, I would like, as if you haven't watched, it's called The Greatest Night in Pop. It's available on Netflix. And it's wonderful. And I also I'm realizing that they need to do more of these, like just in case the music that you're making turns out to be iconic. And I, we are the world isn't really the song isn't really all that iconic. Just the concept, the idea and the talent involved was iconic. Um, but like watching that Beatles thing where you're like watching the music get made, they should do more of that because I wish. Oh, my God. If you, they can, I, I'll watch that nonstop. That's what I'm saying. Like every iconic piece of music, if you could take me back to how it was made. And let me watch as it, it's unfolding. Like that moment in Get Back where literally he just starts strumming Get Back and you're like, holy crap. Like you're watching this this thing happen. It's it's just so unbelievable. Um, but give me your – because I, I had a strong – I actually thought that Uproxx did a good list when they power ranked. But there was one. Who would be your top three? The top for the entirety of it for what they added musically and what they added to the vibe – and all of it within the documentary, who would be your top three people from We oh Are the World? Oh, my God. 
Well, number one, Dan Aykroyd. Yes, Dan Aykroyd um, added a ton. Just standing there, <laughs> clearly knowing he did not belong. I actually give Dan Aykroyd a lot of credit for like being the maybe the most self-confident person in that room. I know yeah. I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Like I will sing along. There is no reason why I'm here. There is no. I really believe we are the world, Correct. and we are the children. Hundred um, percent. It's so hard for me to sit. So, I, like, Prince I have, and, and Michael got Michael got to be number one. To okay, me. I, I have know. I have a different argument for number one. I, like, okay, what she, what they what they are you going to put like Quincy or somebody at number no, one? No, Quincy or? was str- is a strong argument. By the way, they did not include Quincy in their rankings, but strong argument. Okay. If you watch the doc, it, really, the like the role he had as coach of all of that, phenomenal. Yeah, number one. And I, I know you got Harry Belafonte up there. Harry Belafonte is wonderful, but they didn't give him a solo. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what to no. do with that. And by the way, uh, Huey Lewis knocked it out of the park with his solo. Ten and a half. Um, Huey, yeah, Huey was, Lewis is absolutely top five to me. Absolutely top five to me, Huey Lewis. He and and I didn't know the story that that was supposed to be Prince's part, and he was like genuinely nervous. Like the fact that all these people cared this much about this thing is amazing, right? Like, God, there's so many good artists, and I guess it just depends I, on who's affected. Go, give me your number one. I, those I, two would definitely be in my top three. I forgot until watching it because again, the song is campy, and it's like if, if you weren't if it, it and I was too young for it to matter to me the same way. You're not going to give me Bob Dylan, are you? Nope. Cindy freaking Lauper, man. She Well, she was great on that, but are oh you talking my, about overall? Like, but all of it. No, 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 okay. not not like her career. I mean, in what she did for the song and for the room and the whole thing. And her, like, just sort of kind of in the background, like, being unassuming and then stepping up and doing the, well, 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 well. Like, oh, my God, man. Like, it blew yeah. me the F away. And then they had And then it, it almost pushed the other people to go. I, I see what right. you're saying about that. Yeah, it, it made them, like, because she went, she went above and beyond of what I thought she could do. Correct. Uh, in that song, but they, my other favorite part with her is when they were trying to figure out what the and it's the, the bracelets, right? Noise, yeah. and it's all her freaking bracelets. Oh, it was jewelry. awesome. She to yeah. me was the star. Like that, I, I, I didn't know. Admittedly, I don't, I don't have like a big Cindy Lauper place in my brain. You know, like I know girls just want to have fun. I know, um, well, what's the ballad that everybody loves so badly that now all of a sudden they can't. Good enough. It? No, from, uh, no. What the hell? You I, well, good enough was from Goonies. But oh, that's you're, right. You're thinking that's of right. um, you're oh god. You know what exactly it, what uh, I'm thinking, and why can't I think of it all of a sudden? I, what the hell happened to me? I just did the same damn thing you did, and I can't right? think of the name of the song. It's gonna drive me nuts. There's, uh, I'll come up with it in two seconds. But you know, the I don't have a big. I don't want to look it up. I want to think of it. Uh, uh, time after time. Yeah, I mean that's time after time. Thanks a lot, there, Pete Sampras. Thanks. Well, he's, All right. He's I actually. I won't. He's, he's kind of uh, Daryl Hall too. Actually, he's yeah. Kind of got we we went over that. Of we are Daryl Sampras. Yeah, right. Pete Hall. Um, I like Pete Hall better. Um, no, I. She was the one because I just, I forgot about her part in We Are the World, and she's just kind of a. And remember, like they they positioned it at the beginning as though she was everybody. The smart people wanted Madonna. And mm-hmm. somebody in the room was like, no, we're going to get Cindy Lauper. And if we get Cindy Lauper, we can't have Madonna. And everybody, like, you laugh about that in hindsight. You're like, ha, hell of a choice you made there. Really nailed yeah. that one, Chief. And then she comes in and knocks it the F out of the park. And you just, I wanted to jump off the couch. I was so enamored with Cindy Lauper's part in We Are the World. So she, to me, is number one on the list. And I, everybody else can fall in line. Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, of course. Very, and, and, Daryl Hall. 
And Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, to your point, Huey Lewis also very high on the list of expectations versus what you got, man. Like, And the, the dude mocking Kenny Rogers' face when he hits the note. Now, I had to go back and watch the video like five times because watching Kenny Rogers' face when he tries to hit that note, it might be my favorite thing in the world. It looks like, yeah. me, it looks like me pooping. Like, I like what they said to him. It's like, know your, know your boundaries, know what you can do, what you're great at. Don't try to, you know, they were basically like saying, if you're standing next to somebody that has a more powerful voice or a higher register, don't try to be them, be you, right. know where you, right. you know, stay in your lane basically is what they were saying. And they're saying it to like some of the greatest artists we've ever seen. And like the whole thing of that coming together, you've dealt with people that have money and have fame and have celebrities the same way I have. Yep. You keep them waiting like that, they get pissed off. Dude, man. they were there till like <laughs> seven in the morning. It's insane. Yeah. Like it's yeah. bonkers. I I I did not like I was mildly interested in this doc when I heard about it. And then I couldn't stop. Like I was obsessed with it as I was watching it. It is that good. Go watch uh, the greatest nut and pop. And there there's a new movie. documentary out now on Run DMC, I think. Ooh. Paramount or Peacock, I Ooh. don't remember, but it just came out today, I think. Ooh, so. I will spend some time with that. That will be high on my I haven't watched uh, last night's episode of Curb yet, and I need to do that. So I got a lot of things that are on. I haven't either. All right. Um what's going on at Green Turtle and what's going on uh, with Big Bad Morning Show? Yeah, so we've got a um, special for the big game, so people want to check it out, come down and watch the game. I'll be at Canton. Um, we filmed the commercial this week, which I think they're putting the final touches on. I got to see it early. It looks pretty good outside of my face. Uh, lots of people celebrating, having fun. But uh, Big Bad Morning Show, we're all together, so we finally kind of get to break down everything that's going on with, with our beloved Orioles. And there's going to be a lot of that talk going on this week. And then, of course, leading into the Super Bowl and who's going to win and why and all that stuff. Uh, of course, ConcreteLocks.com as well with two N's, C-O-N-N-C-R-E-T-E, ConcreteLocks.com to uh, to sign up and to uh, start getting some winners. Jeremy Kahn, uh, Griffin uh, is going to start coordinating with you when we're going to find the appropriate. I, I would like to do it somewhere around St. Patrick's Day if you think you have that in you. Like, I know it's different. Yeah, I, so after the Super Bowl, I, I want to start setting up. I, I okay. talked to uh, an Englishman this weekend, which I wanted to tell ooh, you, ooh. and I told him what I was doing, and he goes, I've never had haggis taste good. I mean, he said, I'd never want to eat it. It's disgusting. I, 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 I think that's correct. I think that's the correct. Well, you shouldn't tell me that. i got to eat it. Dude, and that, then I told him about blood sausage, and he goes, it's gross. Yeah, it, <laughs> everything. I actually did try blood sausage once, and I said, why would anyone choose this? Why would any human being ever choose and what, this? I keep forgetting what the second song I have to do. I have to do uh, Nothing Compares to You and Zombie. Oh, nothing. I keep forgetting about yeah. Nothing Compares that's to why, You. That's why I said, were you taking notes from Annie Lennox last night? Like, oh, see, yeah, but I, I just thought about singing. That's, I, I can't believe I keep forgetting yeah. you know, Prince's biggest song. Yeah, that's correct. Um, it, is a, it is a Prince song. That is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. All right, buddy. Uh, love you. We'll talk to you next Monday. I'll see you guys. Thanks, pal. Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. Speaking of, it's weird, right? Like, Jeremy and I hadn't had a chance to talk about any of that. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson haven't done theirs. The last time they did a show, it was like, let's talk about what else is going on in baseball. So they got a lot to cover when they get back together today. Stan, Ross, and Luke every Monday, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, and they will have a lot to discuss today. When we come back in, we are going to uh, dip into the Ravens for a minute as we will catch up with Brian McFarlane, Mr. Raven's salary cap himself, and sort of set the tone for decisions that have to be made and when and how everything looks going into the offseason for the Baltimore Ravens. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. D.L. Hall is scheduled to join us in just a little bit uh, after he was dealt by the Orioles to the Brewers in the Corbin Burns deal. Uh, did not, Jeremy brought it up, I, I did not in that opening diatribe uh, mention the fact that Anthony Weaver indeed did end up taking the Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator position, so that's one more team that you think will be in the market for um, Ravens defensive players this offseason. You have three now that you think will be hotly in pursuit, and that's besides the fact that like other teams would just want good players. But it will also be interesting to see who becomes the associate head coach now moving forward, and... It's one more piece of the puzzle that the Ravens will have to solve. There'll be one more moving part defensively this season for the Ravens with personnel that 
might also look a bit different. Let's talk more about that aspect of the conversation. Joining us now, he, of course, uh, we try to do this every year at the offset of the offseason just to lay the foundation, what decisions have to be made when, what does this end up looking like. A year ago, it was quite cloudy because there was one thing looming over everything. This year, not the case. It's a bit more complicated because there's a ton of moving parts. From Russell Street Report, he is the man behind Raven's salary cap. He is Mr. Brian McFarlane, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Brian, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us, as always. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody have a good morning so far? Everything is good, man. Um, you know, with we're, the, the Orioles have provided the most pleasant distraction that we could probably <laughs> yeah. have ever asked for in this city. Yeah, boy, haven't they. <laughs> Brian, I, you know, I, when I say where do we start, I think you understand the complicated part of what I'm asking because it feels like the biggest storylines going into the offseason for the Ravens as far as personnel on the cap are concerned might be their free agents, right? Would be Patrick Queen, would be Justin Matabike, I guess to a lesser extent, Geno Stone. But... I wonder if the conversation doesn't actually start with needing to get some cap space in order to consider what they might be doing with their free agents. And so does the conversation actually start with, like, Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey? Yeah, it probably does. Those guys, uh, Tyus Bowser's another one, um, you know, a couple other guys restructuring deals who, you know, where best to start with those guys or which guys to start with maybe. But yeah, Stanley's probably the bigger one um, because there is, if uh, you know, uh, his situation. I mean, Marlon's been uh, until this year been relatively, you know, relatively healthy. Obviously, Stanley's been an up and down three years now. Um, so the yeah, I mean, the big number there is, and it's a big number. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's a lot of dead money. However, you cut it up, it's just a question of how they want to cut it up. Um, Stanley, if they released him before June one, uh, it's seven, it's almost 18 million in dead money, um, which is a huge number, but there is over 8 million in savings. Um, my guess though, is they would probably do that with a post June one designation. So it would actually save them 15 million on the cap this year, which they're going to need a lot of cap space. And especially if they have to use the tag on. Um, Matabike would probably be the likely one, uh, but that does push um, six, almost seven million of dead money into next year. But with the cap going up, um, and that gives them more chance to, to, you know, more chance to plan around it. So that's probably what uh, they would do if if they're going to move on from him. Now they could they could try to go to him and ask for you know um, a haircut, you know, right. because I'm not sure anybody's going to pay him fifteen million in salary and bonus anywhere else. Um, so, but they have that hammer there. I don't think they do with Humphrey. Humphrey's got another year. Humphrey's got more dead money. Uh, and it's harder to, I mean, if they cut him, if, if they cut him before June one, they actually owe more money right, on the cap than right. he actually counts. Right. So, you know, so that's, that's, that's the way those two guys kind of work. Yeah. And it, I, it, to your point, I would feel like they would like to do it with Stanley. And you I think your point is well stated that like, as as much as maybe Ronnie Stanley wouldn't like hearing that, I and and maybe the ultimate hammer is you're a left ta- tackle on the open market, and the position is so val- valuable that people are willing to ignore the realities of the circumstances. But the realities of the circumstances are significant, and it just doesn't feel like 
the open market would be the you know, the major boon that like maybe Ronnie Stanley would have found a couple of years ago. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I think that's if they do ask for the haircut and a reduced salary, you know, I, I think that's their 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 option is because with this with Humphrey, I what are you gonna threaten him to release him? I don't think right. the numbers work to release him. So there's no real threat there to take a pay cut. But with Stanley there is because like I said, I mean between bonus and salary this year, he gets 15 million in cash. I'm not sure he's getting that anywhere else, you know, so they can make that work with incentives and things like that. So maybe he can make the 15 million if he's healthy and plays every game next year. But, uh, but otherwise it would be a reduced number, which will help them from a cap perspective. So if they do that one way or the other and save, let's just say it's the $9 million or so is it, it's like eight and change, right? On Ronnie Stanley, they can shit, they can save, and then you brought up Tyus Bowser, who presumably, you know, it, whether it's a restructure or a release, it's five and a half million dollars there. So if you come up with that, how dramatically does that change their reality in terms of Matabike and Queen? Like, is there any world where they could do a contract for one and tag the other? Or does it really come back to there's just no way that's happening? One of those guys is going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, if if it's a tag situation, one of those guys is going to have to be gone, probably, unless they do wholesale restructures, a bunch of cuts you're not expecting. Um, they they basically, I mean, they have about ten million in cap space now, but there's so many other things that go into that before mid March when the league year starts. Um, so uh, you know, they're they're really. Uh, you know they're really up against. I mean, Matty BK is going to be about uh, you know, tag is about twenty million. So, uh, I mean, right there now, if they can get both signed to a long term deal, that might actually work. Brian, is there any possibility that the Ravens say we just can't? We we're not. We know that the Ravens have treated the tag over the years not as trying to force someone to stick around for an extra year. They want to use it in order to sign a player, and I know it didn't work with Matt Judon, but. That's traditionally how they've tried to use the tag. Is there any world in which they say, look, we love Justin Matabike, but we just aren't going to be able to spend what it would cost to keep Justin Matabike, and and they don't end up... I, I mean, I guess that would be silly because you would still want to tag him to present the opportunity for a trade, but like, I, I just wonder if... I've assumed all along, well, if it's a choice between Matabike and Queen, of course they're choosing Matabike. He's the special player, but I, I don't I wonder if they look and say, we think he's really good, but we don't know that we're ever going to pay this amount of money to him, which he could get on the open market. I mean, that's certainly possible. And obviously, if they had 50 million in cap space, it's a different conversation. But um, and, you know, the, I'm sure they're going to try and get him signed and probably the same with Queen. They will try. Um, and if I mean, they could get them both signed with a first year cap number of less than 20 million dollars. I mean. So, you know, that, you know, but obviously, you know, when guys are about to hit the market, you know, it's harder to get them re-signed at times. Um, you know, we obviously, I mean, you saw, you know, we, you know, they, they tagged Lamar last year, got it done later. I mean, they've done that, you know, in the past where they've gotten done. But the other problem is if you don't get them done until the deadline in July, which was, which was what happened with Tucker, which was what happened with Ray Rice going back, with Suggs going back, um, you know, it's that that just ties up your cap. So if they can somehow reach a uh, you know a long-term deal, they could get them both back because if they both had roughly I don't know eight million dollar first-year cap numbers, 
that's obviously 16. It's less than the 20 that would take the tag either of them. Um, so, I mean, it's possible, but obviously then you've got, you worry about the, the, you know, the upper years. Are you paying, I mean, again, with Queen, are you paying him 20 million a year just like you pay Broquan? Right, right. That seems like excessive. I mean, I hate to say it as much as they'd like to have him back. No, of course. And then you kind of, you're running the same thing with Matabike. You're looking at, an average of twenty million a year. Now, obviously, you can you can make that first year cap number lower, um, but you know that's uh, you know I mean, and they got they have to decide in their own heads is you know um, was this that kind of contract year that everybody you know you know we've we've seen it with other players that happen and then they sign elsewhere and they don't turn out to be that same player anymore. So they get that big deal. So they have to figure in their minds how Matabike fits into that equation. I'm Brian McFarlane, Raven salary cap from Russell Street Reporters with us here on GCR. Brian, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm remiss because I didn't bring up the name Morgan Moses. Can Should we assume at this point that he's probably gone because there's just too much savings to be had there? I don't know because, I mean, his, his he's only got, a, I mean, his cap number is just under $7 million. Um, and 5.5 of that is salary. I mean, 5.5 for a starting tackle. Uh, even, I mean, a $7 million cap number for a starting tackle. I, I mean, if they feel that uh, Falele's ready, right. I guess, you know, I mean, that's the big part of that equation. But, I mean, Moses, there is cap savings there, that 5.5. is. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't it, – he's – and that's – I don't know. I, I'd be surprised. I know okay. a lot of people are talking about it, but he's okay. played pretty well. But that number is 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 hard to replace him, you know. At to be honest with you. So, can you explain to everybody the complications of the Odell Beckham situation? Sure. So Beckham actually, it's less complicated. Um, in January, they it was originally complicated because of the void years, and with void years, you basically use them to um, give the give the player a lot of money, fifteen million, like he got last year, but keep his cap number low. So it was under. I was around three and a half, I believe, if I'm off the top of my head. So, but they added void years, which means the the balance of the bonus all hits in the next year, which would be this year and would have been a little over eleven million dollars. But what they did is um, they essentially extended him two years. Um, this year he has a minimum salary, but he is his twenty five million dollar two thousand twenty five base salary would become guaranteed three days after the league year starts. Right. But what that does is he's not obviously never going to see that. So that that's the, now the deadline. The original deadline would have been next week, the 19th, and then the void years would have hit and there's nothing you can do about it. But with the, by doing this, they, it, since it's after the league year, they can release him with a post-June 1 release. So if he's not re-signed, if they have no intention to re-sign, or they just can't reach a number, the numbers to work it out, they would use a post-June 1 release, which essentially for this year saves them about $8 million or $8.3 million on the cap. That 8.3 will move into the 20, onto the 25 cap, but by then, again, gives them a little more time to, you know, to, to plan around it. Um, this is the, the drawback of void years. Now, they've, they've avoided a little bit, and we're not getting the whole 11 this year, but it really was helpful for their cap for sure. Um, is Pat Ricard in danger at this point? I would think so, because there's $4 million in savings. Um, his snaps went down this year with Munkin. Now, doesn't mean he's not valuable and they would like to have him around, 
but he's a guy, you know, he's in the last year of his deal. Um, he's getting $4 million in cash. He will get $4 million in cash somewhere else. Um, you know, whereas I said earlier, I don't think Stanley would. Um, so I don't think they can ask Ricard for a pay cut. Now, maybe they can extend him as they've done in the past. Um, but that's, that's one I think uh, he and Bowser are probably the two that I think are most, um, are most in jeopardy, I guess we'll say. So give me the timeline, Brian. Like, what what has to happen first? Is it that they have to make a Stanley decision first, or do they have to make the – like, is the tag thing so quick that they kind of have to make – just just line line up for me what this might look like for the next couple of weeks. Sure. So the tag um, deadline or the beginning of the, the tag window um, is around February 19th, I believe, or yeah. in the early 20s. Um, so, but they have, it's about two weeks they have to make that decision. I mean, I assume um, they've got some other guys with voids coming up, Zeitler uh, probably being the big, big one. And that, that so Zeitler, Stone, Yassine, and uh, Gus Edwards, and who am I forgetting? Aguilar. They, their void years all um, hit if they aren't extended by the 19th of February. So if they want any of those guys back, they don't want to have the all the void years counting this year plus what uh, the player cost on his new deal. So they want those. They need to get those done. If they want any of those guys back, they need to get them done by the 19th, and then those void years stay spread out. So for for instance, Zeitler, it would be over four million in dead money if they don't get it done by then. So you don't want to put four million in dead money and then sign him sometime in March, and his first year cap number be another four million. That'd be eight. So if they can get him done before the 19th, then his void year is only uh, one million on top of the new four. So you know they've saved three million in that case. So they really want to get those kind of guys done. Zeidler would seemingly be a guy they'd be yeah. interested in, in getting back. You would think. Um, yeah, yeah. So and then so then it, obviously then you have the tag window with Matabike, uh, Queen whether they want, you know, whether they're going to go with either of them, but they have two weeks to do that. And they're not going to generally tag the guy until the, the deadline, uh, which is about a week before uh, the new league year. So in early March. So, yeah, so that's, those are the timelines. And obviously they're, they're, I assume they're going to be trying to work on deals. With, if it is going to be Matt of EK, trying to get him done before the deadline, uh, probably tell his agent, look, we're going to tag you unless we can get a deal done. So let's get something done. Um, and then obviously, Cuts will happen, uh, you know. Um, Stanley can't happen. You can't you can't use a post June one until after. Like with Beckham, you can't do that till after the new league year. Uh, the problem with using the post June one release is, for instance, that fifteen million in savings from Stanley is not available till till right. June after June. Right, not going to help. But that that right, so it's not going to help for for you know for free agency. But that's that's something they can budget. They can spend all the way to the cap. Till then, because they have that fifteen million in their pocket uh, as of June, and that would cover just about all their expenses. I mean, unfortunately, between pro- uh, between practice squad and elevations and injuries, you're going to need that fifteen million yeah. going, you know, for from July on for you know uh, draft picks as well. So you know, so that that kind of they can budget around that. But you know, for people thinking, oh, we're going to have fifteen million dollars to spend it, or as soon as uh, soon as the new league year starts, it's not going to work that way if that's the way Stanley plays out. 
All right. Uh, remind everybody what they can find from you at Russell Street Report, as uh, I'm sure that you're going to be on top of this every moment of every day this off season. Yeah, unfortunately, it is my time of the year. I'm yeah. about two weeks too early. Um, but um, yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter at Raven Salary Cap. Uh, my big article on Russell Street Report, which lays all of this kind of stuff out with the numbers, um, that will hopefully be out next Monday. Um, it takes a while for me to get it together, but usually it's right after the Super Bowl because that's when we really start focusing on uh, what's to come. Brian McFarland, always appreciate you, man. I have no doubt that you and I will be in touch, both this show and the radio show, in the coming months. Thanks so much, as always, for doing that's this, dude. Uh, that sounds good. Thank you again. You guys take care. Thanks, buddy. Brian McFarland with us from uh, Russell Street Report. Uh, he, of course, has his finger on the pulse of the Raven salary cap situation. Unlike anyone else, appreciate him taking the time for us. Today's show brought to you by Toyota. CountySportsZone.com is your headquarters for local high school scores, schedules, and standings across all sports. CountySportsZone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. And if you think you know high school basketball, go to CountySportsZone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. That's CountySportsZone.com, presented by your local Toyota dealer. It's been a busy uh, Monday here on GCR as we just kind of keep moving from one thing to the next. I have always enjoyed my conversations with our next guest, and I don't like saying the words former Baltimore Oriole. That's just the way the world works. Um, it is a pleasure to welcome back into the program. Now a Milwaukee Brewer, former Oriole, D.L. Hall, who's back with us here on GCR. D.L., it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. I, it's awkward, the circumstances, but I've always appreciated you taking the time for us. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning, dude. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, man. Uh, the most important thing, did we ever get like the big basketball showdown between – the core group of uh, of you guys that came up together. Did that moment ever happen? <clears throat> no, nah, they dodged it for long enough until I was out of there. So. Man, that, you you know that's what it is, right? Like they just knew that they didn't want to get they didn't want to get their feelings hurt, right? Yeah. Exactly. Who ran? Was it Grayson? Who ran their mouth the most of everybody that said they they could play? Um, probably Grayson. Yeah. yeah I mean, when it comes to uh, talking. It doesn't matter what it's about. I think he wins. <laughs> <laughs> He's the same way with golf, too, right? It's... Oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just who he is, man. Um, DL, I, I guess let's, you know, let's, let's do the part that everybody wants to hear. Uh, d- did, you, did you know, did you have any idea that you might – I just don't know how these things work. Does somebody come to you and say, DL, we, just, we want you to hear from us. We've been having conversations. We love you but we just want you to know, or did it catch you totally off guard when you got the news last week? Uh, it was 100% off guard. Okay. Um, I had no idea, no clue at all. Um, just got a call from Mike and uh, and got told the news. So, yeah, I had absolutely no idea that it was coming. What what goes through your, in the first moment, right, But before you have the opportunity to kind of catch your breath, what goes through your mind in that first moment when you get that news? Um. I think, uh, honestly, just shock. Uh, not really sure exactly what uh, you know what type of emotion it was. It was kind of it's kind of weird, you know. I didn't really know what to. It didn't really feel real, I guess, until um, the next day when it kind of you know settled in. 
Um, still, obviously, doesn't feel real. Um, not until I, you know, get to the new facility, get around right. the new guys and things like that. So uh, it's still, you know, it's crazy to think I'm going to uh, Arizona instead of Florida. Yeah, it's going to be a different world, right? Like there's going to be a lot of things that will be different. Um, yeah, for sure. H- how do you measure those things, right? How do you measure the disappointment that you feel in that moment versus the excitement of being wanted, that there is an organization that said this is that we want him. Like, how do you measure those two things? Um, you know, it's tough thinking about, you know, leaving my guys. You yeah. know, I, I came up since an 18-year-old um, with essentially a lot of the same group, you know. So we we kind of moved throughout the minor leagues together for, you know, uh, you know four years almost uh, all together. Um, so – to leave that group of guys was kind of the sad part, you know, I'd say. Um, just thinking about not being able to, to be with my, my boys that, you know, it's kind of like my family. Um, but the excitement definitely took over, you know, after, um, you know, a day or so. Just thinking about, um, you know, the opportunity in Milwaukee and, and uh, you know, just getting to uh, go out and, and really try and, you know, make an, a name for myself. D.L. Hall is with us here on GCR. D.L., obviously so much was made last year about um, your your usage, right, and and deloading and, and things, that you know, all of those topics. Had you gotten to a place where you were comfortable with the role that you had with the Orioles, or were you still in a place where you said, man, I, I really believe that I'm a starting pitcher in the major leagues, and I, is there a part of you that says may, maybe this is for the best because of it? Um, you know, I think um, I kind of stick to my guns on, on what I said about this uh, last season. Um, is for me, I get to play baseball every day. Yeah. Um, you know, for a job. So for me, it doesn't just being on the field and and, and being yeah, it's not bad. You know, <laughs> so for me, just being on the field, whether it's in a starting role or a reliever role, like just being in the big leagues and getting to, um, you know, just experience and, and do what we do on a daily basis is a blessing in itself. Um, I, I kind of had settled into the reliever role, but there was always a part of me, you know, in the back of my head that says, like, you know, I, I was kind of itching for years for that chance to, yeah. uh, you know, get a few starts in the big leagues and get my feet wet and, and just kind of see how it goes, you know, with a few starts versus just one. So, for me, just getting the opportunity to, you know, get get some starts under my belt and, and see how things go is, is super exciting for me just to, uh, you know, hopefully be able to throw it, you know, shove it in some people's face when, uh, <laughs> when just to kind of prove a point that I can be a starter. <laughs> is, is it, so, you know, like the mentality of that? Um, I, we, I, we talk so much to guys. Did, did you have to change, like, who you were in the bullpen? I, I, I love talking to guys about – what kind of like psychopaths they become when they pitch out of yeah. the bullpen. Did you have to change who you were, your approach to the game in taking on that role? Um, for me, I feel like I got to be myself a little bit. Okay. Um, I feel like it was kind of the opposite. Um, you know, I've always been like, for me, you know, like I, I tell people all the time, it's hard to, it's hard to pitch sometimes because it's not as, you know, get after it, uh, as you may, you know, want it to feel. Um, so, like, being in the bullpen, you know, being a starter and stuff, like, you know, you're, you're playing chess a little bit. You got to go through the lineup a few times. You got to, 
you know, you got to be smart with it and, and do things a little differently. Whereas, you know, the bullpen, you're coming out, you're letting it rip, and you're just, you know, like you said, kind of almost just psycho and just, like, get after it out there on the mound. So, like, that part of it I really enjoyed, and, and like, I'm a huge competitor, so I felt like it was natural um, for me is finding that, you know, that, that, that mix of that psycho, that psychopath <laughs> and, and also the chess player um, to be a starter. Man, I I love I love pitching psychopaths. It's like my favorite thing. Like the the full on hawking up part of it. Like I'm just all in on all. Yeah. Of it. DL yeah. DL Hall with us here on GCR. Um, DL did did it? Do you do you ever look back and do you feel like it hurt you at all the way that it went and and moving or or are you just so capable of going from run one role to the next? that you never felt it impacted your development whatsoever to be doing different things at different times? Um, you know, obviously, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, wishes for a chance to, to get to stay in that starter role and, and get to go up and fail a few times, you know, in the big leagues and learn from it and continue to try and develop and, and learn from those moments. But for me, I see everything as an opportunity, and yeah. and just to be up in the big leagues, pitching in the big leagues, whether it was out of the bullpen or not, was a huge opportunity for me to learn. and 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 I try and look at every day as you know just a a chance to to learn something new and get better. So whether you know as long as I'm towing the rubber, I'm learning something. So it didn't really matter whether it was at the start of the game or or at the end of the game. Um, I just kind of looked at it as a chance to as, as a chance to get better and learn something. I want to go back to your emotions, if I could, for a second, because I feel like there's an an added layer to it. You brought up the guys, and obviously, I I know because we've talked to all of you guys like for years, and it was always one of my favorite things, and like having your families get to know each other, like it just always seemed like such a cool thing to me, the way that this went. But I feel like the second layer of it is you know what this team is on the cusp of doing, right? Like you, you, you guys won 101 games last year, and yeah. you know two days before the trade, you get this news about you know new ownership and the excitement of maybe there being some you know money that could be coming in. And how much how much more did that impact? your emotion as much as you love the guys just like knowing the potential for what was about to happen here yeah no that was definitely uh you know it's definitely a hard part of it um I I think that you know just kind of missing my guys and and people that I'm comfortable with like the biggest part of it but definitely knowing that uh you know we built a winning culture there uh you know I I feel like we were kind of at the core of uh you know, at the core of doing that, you know, like I feel like we, we really brought that feeling back to Baltimore and that was obviously super exciting. Um, so, you know, to leave that and to leave, uh, you know, those guys and, and knowing how, how talented they are and things. Yeah, it, it definitely, uh, definitely played a part, but, um, like I said, you know, Milwaukee's got a super young, uh, they have a young, uh, squad as well, young core group that can really play, you know, they won their division too. So, you know, it's not like uh, I'm taking a, a complete, you know, step back. Uh, so I'm super excited, you know, for what's to come in Milwaukee. Those guys do a really good job of, um, you know, kind of building up, you know, sort of what Baltimore is doing. So um, it'll be exciting. But, yeah, definitely, um, you know, leaving my guys knowing, you know, just how talented they are and 
and what's to come for them. You know, I wish them nothing but the best, and I, I look forward to still keeping up with those guys. It seems like a small thing, but like going with Joey, what like. It, how, it, it, just having somebody, right, like in the same shoes as you, yeah. you like, how, how important is that for you as you make this transition? Yeah, definitely huge. Me and Joey, you know, me and Joey talked about it. Um, you know, it's definitely exciting to know uh, Joey's a freaking great player. Yeah. Um, I've always been huge on Joey. Um, I love having him uh, play behind me especially. He's, he's an incredible defender. Um, so just having somebody that I know and that I've played with for a couple years, it definitely makes it a lot more uh, comforting uh, to know that. You, um, you know, you mentioned kind of shoving it and, and proving to some people. I'm a little bit nervous because I can't help but notice that it's not that deep into the season. It's April 12th <laughs> when uh, when you guys are coming back here. Did you like uh, already seek that date out and? Um, how yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, Matt, when maybe get that weekend gets a little bit elevated for you, I'm just gonna have to guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely gonna be exciting. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, I just look forward to uh, trying to make my first opening day roster. Um, so that's kind of you know first things first, trying to get my first opening day. Um, that would be super exciting and. Uh, if that happens, then uh, I look super. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to returning to Baltimore for sure, and, yeah. and seeing the fans, seeing the guys, and uh, you know, maybe uh, doing a little yeah. little something. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about what that might mean to you. Oh, we've seen these over the years a few times. I'm a little bit worried that that might be like a 17 strikeout performance. That's that's the worry. <laughs> So, so I know I'm asking you something that like you probably won't have like context for until a few years down the road. But if I said today, like, hey, what will your time with the Orioles organization like? What 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 will it mean to you when you reflect back on it? Do you start to have a feel for what that means, even though we're not even like you know a week removed from your time yeah. with the Orioles organization? No, I feel like I definitely uh, definitely have. Um you know, an unbelievable amount of, uh, you know, I'm just very thankful for, for the time I had there. Um, obviously being an 18 year old kid signing to a, you know, a major league baseball club was, you know, my dream my entire life. So just to get that chance and, uh, get it given to me by Baltimore, you know, that'll forever be, you know, a huge part and a, a huge place in my heart. Um, because, you know, this is the first organization, the only organization I had ever experienced. So I think it'll forever be special to me. Um, all of the trials and tribulations that I faced, all the injuries, all the, you know, just different things, you know, coming through that rebuild, um, being there through the rebuild and seeing Baltimore come out of the, the trenches essentially and, and back into a winning team and just being a part of all that. I feel like I matured and grew so much and so many different ways um and just received an unbelievable amount of help um you know from from all different people throughout the organization so i'll forever be grateful for that and um you know that's one of those things that you know you kind of never forget and let me before i we wrap up if i could you you know who the guys are that get the most attention but give me somebody that as as you've been through this you said you guys don't talk about this guy enough this guy's going to be special. He's going to be a big piece that's going to help, whether it's in Baltimore or somewhere else. Like, who who's the guy that you've been around the last couple of years that you don't think gets enough love um, for everything that they can do? Hmm. 
Uh, that's a tough one. I feel like it's tough because our farm system and whatnot is so, uh, you know, so talked about and, it's true. and, you know, we're, it's obviously one, Baltimore's farm system is one of the best in baseball. So I feel like it's kind of tough. I feel like everybody's kind of covered. Um, but you know, I feel like honestly, <laughs> this one might sting for you, but I feel like honestly, obviously, still it's a top Joey. 100 You're going to say Joey, aren't you? You are, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's still a top 100 prospect, so I don't want to say he's not talked about enough, but obviously Gunner and, and Jackson are two really phenomenal players. Um, so I feel like Joey did, you know, Joey is, is somebody that's, that's going to be a really, really, really good big leaguer, and I'm excited to uh, get to play with him. I think there's no doubt that that's true, man. He's a hell of a player. There's no question about that. And I think, yeah, a, lot, I think a lot of people think it's just his glove, too, which is amazing, right? Like, his glove is amazing. Yeah, I know. It is. Dude, yeah. dude I mean, can that guy hit 330 in right. AAA. <laughs> like, that guy can hit, man. He's a hell of a baseball <laughs> player. Um, D.L. Hall, really, I, you know, I've always appreciated you, dude. I've always appreciated the conversation. Um, I, we're going to say that we're rooting for you. You know we're not going to root for you that weekend here in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think, and I hope that you felt it from this community, like we will be rooting for you um, and your success yeah. moving forward and um, and wish you nothing but the best every time you're playing everyone yeah. but the Baltimore Orioles. And when it's an Orioles-Brewers World Series next year, we can all hang out and get together, and you can get over to Jimmy's and have fun, and that'll be great. Um, thank- well, I appreciate you guys having me always, and uh, and thanks for the uh, all the support throughout the years. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, each and every one of you and, and enjoyed all the Baltimore fans for sure. DL, thanks for taking the time for us this man. We really appreciate yeah. you. Thank you, guys. D.L. Hall uh, spending a couple of minutes with us this morning after uh, he was traded to Milwaukee in the Corbin Burns deal. And, you know, there he goes. He says it. Look, man, you know, yeah, I'm excited about the opportunity to start again. And I appreciate the way he said it. Like, I was totally happy to continue in the role that I was in. But do I still feel like I could prove something? Yeah, of course. We don't need to grab a break here. We can, we've taken two breaks, right? We've only taken one? We've only taken one. But Wait, that's did, a problem. I no, thought, we did. Yeah, we did take two. That's what I thought. Right, I thought right. we took a second break. You're right. Because if we had only taken one, then we would have an issue. You're the producer. Yeah, we've taken two breaks. Thank you. Appreciate um, I, I, I get it. And I think, again, our reflection is the same. I I like D.L. Hall. I, this is not because D.L. Hall was just on the show. I've been saying it for three days. I like D.L. Hall. He was the arm in the bullpen that I thought had the highest end with Felix Batista being sidelined. I like D.L. Hall. I think losing D.L. Hall is notable. This ain't nothing. This is a real thing. I still think it was a trade you had to make, and I'm still very excited about the trade. But I don't think this is just throwing something away. That I, I think D.L. Hall's a real thing, man. And it will be interesting to see if, as a starter, it can still be harnessed in Milwaukee. I brought that up last week. Like, sometimes just a change in location changes everything. Kevin Gosman, we all knew the talent. It just didn't come together. Jake Arrieta, of course, obviously, famously. We'll see. Different types of pitchers. I like D.L. Hall. I think he's a back end of the bullpen guy, but I don't blame him for wanting the opportunity or for being excited about the opportunity to get another chance to make some starts, consistently work through his struggles, 
and have kind of a fresh slate as he heads out to Milwaukee. All right, uh, great weekend uh, here in Baltimore as the weather cooperated for the start of college lacrosse season. And, of course, I was over at Loyola where they surprised some people, although I'm not all that surprised given everything they brought back. And they they looked really good in an 18-10 win over number 12 Georgetown. This man looked particularly good in the victory. Nine-point effort. From Evan James, Loyola Attackman, who's with us now here on GCR. Evan, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Congratulations on a huge win. Thanks for taking the time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Glenn. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Can you, Evan, just sort of walk through, like, you guys had such a weird year a year ago, right? Like, the highs at the beginning of the season, the dip, and then started to put it together late. Did you guys have confidence going into this year that we know we're better than what the ultimate results were a year ago, and we've got something to prove because of it this year? Yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head there. I think our confidence, you know, even though it maybe shouldn't have been at an all-time high starting this year, you know, with what happened last year, um, we kind of started hot uh, and then hit a little lull and then kind of found our way towards the end of the year. Um, so I think the biggest thing for this year was, you know, starting out hot again, um, and then how do we sustain that? Um, which we're kind of in the middle of right now. Um, but, yeah, a ton of confidence going into to Saturday. I think our, our game plan was kind of perfect. We really focused on ourselves, uh, mainly because it's hard to game plan against a team that hasn't right, played right. any games. Right. Um, you know, and they lost some guys, so they had a lot of guys in the transfer portal. So our, our big key was kind of just focus on us. You know, what, how can we play our most complete and best game? For, from an outside, I say an outside perspective, obviously I'm doing the games, but, like, I – we talked about this on the broadcast on Saturday. It feels like it should be an advantage for you guys. A lot's been made. You brought back almost all of your offense from a year ago, right? Like, you guys have experience with each other. How much of a benefit was that to start the season, and do you feel like that there's still room for you to even continue to grow? Like, there's still guys that are younger, like Minicus and um, Haberman that are in that mix. Do you feel like that, as, as confident as you were together, that can still even get better as the season goes on? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, we have a pretty good older core of guys um, up in the midfield, and then Adam and I down low. Um, and we've all played together for four or five years now. Um, but then you, you add guys like Haberman and Minikis and uh, Davis Lindsay, um, Luke Murphy, guys like that, um, that have grown up a ton over the last year, you know, getting ample minutes last year. Um, so, so look for guys like that to really, you know, step into roles, um, within our offense. And, and like you said, I think we still have, you know, so much to improve on and, and, you know, I don't know if there's ever a perfect game. Um, but I think that we have a lot to work on and that's kind of the goal of these next few weeks is, is how can we get better? Evan James is with us here in GCR again, five goals, four assists on Saturday in the win over Georgetown. Uh, I just retweeted the video, that thing before the half, and I have to apologize. I probably had the worst call ever because I was so convinced that that did not beat the buzzer in live action um, that I don't know that I sold it nearly as well. Like In that moment, did you know how confident were you, and have you ever been part of anything like that? I guess what was going through your mind? Did you think you had time when you made the pass? No. I mean, I said it in the locker room at halftime. That was like the longest seven seconds ever right when Mustang picked it up in midfield and then threw it to Seth it was like I was like that's got to be seven seconds it's already happened right 
but it, it's kind of just instincts and in, what in, we played together for so long and Mustangs, you know, such a dynamic defensive midfielder that, you know, I trust to throw the ball into him like that. Um, but yeah, the review was cool. I've never experienced anything like right. that in our sport. It's a great addition to the sport. Even the challenge flag that Coach Toomey had, I, I didn't even know he had that in his pocket. I, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have that. But um, yeah, it was cool just seeing them in there. You know, it's like what you see in the NFL when they're reviewing reviewing a touchdown. Um, so yeah, it was exciting. Definitely brought some momentum into the locker room at halftime. We're watching. We're like, dude, that I think that's out of his stick with one. T- like, it's crazy, man. That was such a cool moment. And how much did that do for you guys going into the locker room? Like, that's an electric. You know, lacrosse doesn't have like you know logo three pointers typically, right? Like every now and then you'll get like a, you know, a, a goalie or defender chucking the ball down against a, a ten man ride, something like that, or a, a pole goal can be an electric play. But how much did that do for you guys? You know, after giving up a goal with seven seconds left, going into the locker room off a high like that, that you guys fed off going back into the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. That that momentum was huge. I think it, it definitely carried over into the third a little bit, especially offensively. Um, and definitely for Mustang. I mean, that was that was sweet. Um, <laughs> but it, it was moment, funny. Man. We were watching the ref review it, and Coach was kind of like, go in the locker room. And we were all like, no, man. We right, we don't know. Right. We want to see if the goal counts or not. Right. You got to have that moment. Yeah, as uh, you pointed out, of course, uh, Charlie – uh, had a, a review to crease call earlier in the half that went so like Charlie he might want to retire now at this point from reviews because <laughs> it's going so well for him. Um, exactly. Evan, from what you guys went through a year ago, how important I you know you guys celebrate a great win and deservedly so, but how quickly does the conversation change to hey we got to remember that we got good wins last year and. It, it didn't change our reality at the end of the season. Like, how quickly does the conversation go to, we don't get to celebrate too much because we got a lot more work to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, it changed as quick as today. I mean, we're, yeah. we're back. We're, we're starting to prepare for Maryland, obviously, on Saturday. Um, and that's kind of our mentality is on to the next. Um, you know, kind of like our game plan going to Georgetown, let's just focus on what, what can we do to get better this week? You know, what can we do to, to mimic that performance, you know, you know, and uh, game plan the best for Maryland. And I imagine, right, like you don't have to be reminded, you guys, it, it went the wrong way against Georgetown last year and you're able to get revenge. I imagine that the, the guys from Maryland are probably thinking about revenge the way that you guys might have been a year ago when you took on them. So, like, you're, you're going to be getting their best lick come Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's the way it goes, man. That's the exciting part. How much do you love this? How much do you love the fact that Charlie continues to put this type of non-conference schedule together. So you're playing, you get this awesome atmosphere at home to start the season. Now you go down to Maryland. How much does that drive you? And it's part of the reason why you wanted to be at Loyola to, to begin with. I mean, I think it's awesome. There's not many places where you get a chance to, to play the type of schedule that we do, um, especially early. Um, and some people might moan and groan about it that we start, you know, with, a bunch of top 20 teams to start off with, but, but really it's, it's only making us better. Yep. Um, regardless obviously of what happens on the scoreboard, we're, we're continuing to get better, um, and prepare for that Patriot league tournament. Um, so it's, yeah. And it's definitely one of the reasons why, you know, I came to Loyola, why kids come to Loyola, you want to play the best, you want to beat the best. Um, uh, by the way, you mentioned the Patriot League. Like, the league was already brutally difficult, and now Colgate is getting in there and beating Penn State, right? Like, God, man. The league looks yeah. like it could be hell this season, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be fun. It's cool to see other other teams in the league doing well. And, you know, Colgate's been 
on the come up for the last couple of years for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely tough opponent. Great game against Penn State. That was I watched a little bit of the highlights. That was that was crazy. And Lehigh played played Rutgers pretty well. No doubt, no uh, doubt. Uh, it was a big weekend. I think I, I think Navy's going to be really good this year again too. And we all know Army BU. Yo, it's it sets up to be a heck of a year in the Patriot League. Evan, before I let you go, just because this is the first time you and I had an opportunity to chat, uh, you mentioned that was part of the reason why you came to Loyola. You're a kid from Ohio. What what were the other reasons? Like why? What was it about Loyola that made you want to be here as you put together this really awesome career? Um, oh God, I mean, it's hard to think back. Jeez, I got recruited when I was like a sophomore in high school, so that's eight years ago or something Jeez. like that. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest part, obviously, you know, being able to play on this stage um, at a smaller institution and, and have a chance to, to do something special um, in a really competitive league. Um, but I think the main thing, and I, I think a lot of my teammates would say the same thing, is the coaching staff. Um, I think I think Coach Toomey, Coach Van Arsenal, Coach Shalon, Coach Fakeness, you know, are, are the best in the business. Um, and I've really enjoyed my five years with them. Um, and that was kind of a, a huge persuading factor, you know, during the recruiting process was, was, was those guys. Uh, it's a special group. There's no question about it. And uh, we are looking forward to a big things that you guys might be capable of doing. Uh, Evan, is there anything we can plug for you? I was, I was searching for you, like, on Twitter and Instagram. Are you, are you on there anywhere that folks can give you a follow? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Evan underscore James underscore eight. Underscore eight on Instagram is how you can give him a follow. Uh, Evan, awesome start to the season. Uh, incredible victory against Georgetown on Saturday. Good luck this Saturday against Maryland. Can't wait to see what's next for you guys. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning to chat about it. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Evan James, uh, loyal lacrosse, and a great start to the season. We're going to try to do that. Um, you know, we talk about this a lot. We like to cover local sports. I know we're all Orioles Ravens centric, and there's been a lot of big big news. But we will. I, I my goal, ideally during the season, is I'd like to have. If there's a if one of the local teams wins a big game every week, I'd like to have somebody on each week. Now, will that be possible? Everybody's got class schedules and practice and things like that. I don't know. But yeah, when Glenn Clark Radio comes calling. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, the, the, look, we've got great relationships with all those programs, and it's something that we do that's a little bit different than what other people do. And, um, you know, we're not lacrosse-centric. I hope that our audience becomes more inclined to pay attention because we do it. I hope that's the case. Uh, I love it. I love doing it, man. It's my favorite thing. My buddy uh, Morgan Pritchett, who used to play at uh, Stevenson, who's a, a big Ravens fan, was messaging me about that last week. I'm like, dude, I just I love lacrosse. I always have. Like I, before I was ever involved in the sport. I mean, as a broadcaster, before I was ever involved in the sport. I mean, I I played a little bit. I wasn't good <laughs> at all because I was fat. <laughs> because I had no interest in running. <laughs> Thought you'd have. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess. Like I just, Cause just you, were, you had because you were decent at the other stick sport, like. What? what like tennis? Like the other? Oh yeah, that was, it's it's so funny because even when I was fat, I was a good tennis player. Like even when I was fat, I could play. I, my serves not good enough. Like I couldn't I couldn't have really, like I I couldn't have played at a high level because my serve. I mean, I would have had to have really spent time on it. Yeah. But even when I was fat, I had no problem. Like 
it was a it was a weird fat. Like it was yeah, I was fat, but like I could still cover the court. I could still people would th- just think they could get me if they would get me running. They'd be like, I'm I'm good here. Just get this guy running, and they'd be like, What the hell? That backhand was just no. I actually I never had a good backhand no. either. I never had. I mean, my, my backhand was always a slice. Like it was always. Oh, okay. I I didn't have a a two hand backhand that I that I had confidence in. Like I I would try it. How long did you play? Tennis oh man i mean like competitively sure briefly yeah. oh, <laughs> briefly okay. um and which is a shame because like looking back on it it was definitely my best sport and i should have committed to it you i should have top a thousand in the in the country no uh, in the country yeah if i had committed to that's such a dude that's such a difficult thing because the truth is i would not i don't think i would have committed to what it would going to take to be in shape like i might have committed to tennis but committing to don't drink, committing to sleep habits, things like that, over partying when I wasn't good enough and I had nobody investing. Chicken and rice every meal. Yeah, it, like it's it's. Well, they, they love sushi now. Have you noticed oh, that? Really? Oh. Everybody was eating at the Australian Open with sushi. It was interesting. I, I guess the way to carve up, you know, like yeah. during the course of it. <laughs> um, but like it's it's sushi out in the uh, Australian heat. I don't know how I. <laughs> I had some good sushi on Saturday night actually. And then we went to boy, I I I had plenty of carbs this weekend. Your boy I should go play some tennis today. I carved up over the weekend between that and the the Japanese steakhouse, man. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got there. Oh, I just loved lacrosse. So yeah, I'd like to do that. Yeah. I'd like to do that more frequently lacrosse during the course sushi of the year. And yeah, and tennis. Glenn Clark, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available. I have been given the heads up that we're within like two weeks of being able to advance on the next print issue of Pressbox. So closing on the time to get this one, our best of 2023 issue still available at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all. Pressboxonline.com. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit, and we will get tubular to wind things down for a Monday edition of GCR. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. All right, back in here on GCR as we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the weekend that I didn't cover that I wanted to, and I don't think there is. I think we got to everything. God, it would be really nice if there was another Orioles. God, what? That, that would just... We're getting greedy. I know we're getting greedy, but part of this we're getting greedy because of our own content because I just don't have Super Bowl stuff in it. Like, we'll do – we got to decide on side bet because we got to oh, make yeah, sure right. – we got to, like, tomorrow we, well, we had that Oreo queso thing that somebody – oh, and then Jeremy know. sent something, I think. I don't I'll, know if I saw. I'll take a look at the okay. – that might have been what Jeremy sent. Um, we got we to decide on that by, like, the tomorrow afternoon so that we can get everybody to commit to it that's going to be a part of it or, or who's not. Like, we got to work on that. And then we got to pick what the uh, props are going to be that we're going to use for the side bets. So we got to work on that during the course. How many times of, Taylor Swift is shown uh, on TV? I, I would, I would, I would drastically prefer to have no Taylor Swift related anything. I would, I, hate, I would drastically prefer to have no football related I, I, anything. I hate, yeah, that's and what you're feeling <laughs> is exactly like normally we get to the Super Bowl and we're like, all right, well let's see who the local connect. I'm like, yeah. I'm just so it's I'm not there. I'm not there. And I'm trying to remember how I felt the what, last two times the Ravens lost the AFC championship 12, game, right? So yeah, 20, 2011. So yeah, that was the Patriots 2011 season was Giants. the Billy Cundiff and then yes, it did lead the Patriots Giants in Indianapolis. Now, part of that was we were there for that Super Bowl and we were doing a lot of Indianapolis shtick that week. So I think that helped us get through. Just fighting with Indianapolis people. And yeah, I mean, like Drew and I went out there, and and where did Jimmer say they wrote they, the Indianapolis Star wrote a piece about us like on the Monday of the week, and so we got a lot of hate like from the people in Indianapolis. Like Drew and I, we 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 played those cards well for the Indianapolis. Like, like the Indianapolis thing got us over the disappointment and the fact that we weren't feeling it whatsoever. I also think it was different because you didn't feel like the team had let you down. Like this is a weird part about this. In remember in 2011, 
it was almost an encouraging loss because Joe Flacco had outplayed Tom Brady, and you genuinely believe that if one of these two guys had just finished their play, you would have won the Super Bowl. So it was weirdly encouraging. And then, obviously, it was a terribly discouraging offseason because Terrell Suggs got hurt. And, like, I, I keep coming back to it, it was such a weird feeling. Everything was lined up in 2011. Nothing was lined up in 2012. But at the end of the 2011 season, you oddly felt encouraged by the like as as furious as you were about the two plays at the end of the game when you were able to step back and have like the 20,000 foot view Joe Flacco's playoff performance was starting to become a thing we were starting to recognize like hey you know Joe Flacco he's, he's kind of he's kind of playing a little bit in the postseason right like he'd had that win over the Chiefs before that like you would you had started to be like maybe maybe, maybe there's a there there right and if they had just done one of these things, they would have been in the Super Bowl. This is a completely different thing because you were the better team and you failed and now the track record is failure. And, like, it's just a different vibe and a different feeling and a more dejected... As as awful as those two plays were that year, the big picture was they're right okay, there. Yeah. They're right there. This is, I think, more discouraging because it was like you stepped backwards. You didn't step up, you stepped backwards. So I do think that those, and then I would say the exact same thing. 2008 was never supposed to happen. It's, I still don't know how 2008 happened. Rookie quarterback, first-year head coach who had been a special teams coordinator previous to that, and they ended up in the AFC championship game. It was a miracle. I mean, it was an effing miracle. They had to go on the road the week before and beat the best team in the AFC and the Titans in order to get there. So, as again, as disappointing as it was because you got there, and they got their asses kicked. I mean, they, the only points they scored were because of pass interferences. I mean, like they, they got their ass well, kicked. That was, the, that was the offense, yeah. You were so encouraged by the fact that they had gotten there that, like, hey, there, there might be something here. We didn't know how good Joe Flacco was yet, like because he didn't really ask him to do anything that year. But it was there was this belief of, hey, the defense is good enough that maybe you don't have to ask this guy could just do enough to to win something for you. Ironically, when they did, it was the exact opposite. The defense wasn't very good and Joe Flacco had to go win it for them. Um but I think those two were still largely more encouraging than discouraging. I just the two plays at the end of the Patriots do you game. I think it has wretched. to it might have something to do with as well. So it was the Steelers were in that first Super Bowl, and you, so you hate the Steelers. So you, you're watching yeah, to watch the you're, Steelers you're lose. You like hate hell. Tom Brady. Yeah, there is a little bit of that. Definitely Wait, with this. I like. I we're I, growing to hate Patrick. Well, I mean, hate is still. Steelers a played word. the Cardinals in that Super Bowl. Yeah, so that was probably easy for you to. Yeah, for root me personally. Well. well, I never was. A, I never rooted for the Cardinals. Like I, I this is the fun, like it's not easy for it's people struggle with this sometimes. They're like, you're a Suns and a Capital or a, a Suns and a, a Coyotes fan. Definitely not a Capitals fan. We didn't have teams. We didn't have teams. I had no allegiances in those sports. This is the first time in my life that I ever had a team. It wasn't hard. Like the the moment that I had a team, like I was all in. But I. I was never going to cash in the fandom that I already had just because I moved somewhere. Like, I'm like, ah, forget the first 20. Now, 
was it fun? Like the Diamondbacks that year made a run to the NLCS when I was living out there. Was it fun? Yeah, it was fun. I went to games. Like, I mean, I was covering the team. They actually were sending me on the road at the time um, in the playoffs, not during the regular season. Um, it was fun. It was fun. But I wasn't, I wasn't a Diamondback. I wasn't living and dying with it. I was just enjoying the ride. Um, I, the Cardinals stunk, right? Like, so I didn't really have any positive emotions towards the Cardinals whatsoever. Did you get I to like, watch? This is just just a, a random question. Did Dennis you get to Green? watch? I was there. Oh, okay. No, did you get to watch Orioles and Ravens games like out there? Because like, um, did they have like extra if, inning packages? Fr- yeah, frustrating. They had a they they had a direct TV package, but I. The Orioles games were all at four o'clock. Yeah, my radio show was three to six. Oh, okay. Like it just actually when I first got there, yeah, my radio show was the first baseball season that I was there. My radio show was three to six, so it was no point. So no, I I I wasn't watching the Orioles at all. I I did. I found not, not that there was much to watch. Yeah, it was when thirty to three happened. I was in oh, Arizona for God. thirty to three, and they were killing me on it. Like they were just my the guys that I did the show with were murdering me. Like, so you were on the air when that game and, was happening? And I, oh yeah, because it was oh. it was the first game of a doubleheader, so it actually started even earlier. Oh. Like it was basically over by the time our show was on, and they were murdering me. I mean, I remember the Orioles had the press conference between the two games to announce. Oh. God, would that have been Trembley that they announced as man? Like had been elevated from um, interim to full time manager in between the two after they lost thirty to three. I mean, it was awful. It was atrocious. But I like they they kept trying to, and I they, they, there was no hope. I I was so emotionally disconnected. I was like, yeah, they lost thirty to three because they stink. Like they're terrible. What do you want me to say? Like, oh, this is really disappointing. No, this is about right. Have you looked at them? They're awful. They're awful. So they couldn't hurt me. And I got together with um. There was a group of so on Sundays. Typically, I was not assigned Cardinals games. I was usually assigned, we would do like a watch party. And the first one that I did was at, I want to say Jilly's and Chandler. Oh. And. Not like Jilly's and Plexiglas? Like wherever it was. I can't. It, it, no, they're not like a chain. <laughs> it was a different place. There used to be a Jilly's in uh, Annapolis, actually. Mm. No, in Hanover. In, uh, oh, at, okay. Near, near, near Live L- Casino. Yeah. Got it. Um, there, but wherever it was that I went, like one of the first ones I did, I walked in and it was where the Ravens fan party was. Ah. And I was like, I like the smile that I had on my face. You're for real. <laughs> and so that was just where I hung out, nice. um, moving forward. So nice. I loved, I did love football in Arizona cause I love the 10 AM thing. You wake up and you're right in, you don't have to, you don't have to waste any time. You wake up and you're right into it. And then the games end like, at. Oh yeah, nine, you, have, you have time no. at the end of the yeah before nine. eight o'clock or so. Yeah. So you have time at the end of the night to decompress <laughs> after all of it. Like I, I did like fo- I didn't like college football because it started at nine a.m. and in my drinking years that was that was too early. <laughs> like because they would also assign me like game watches for uh, okay. college football games. They'd be like, hey, you, you gotta go, you gotta go to sneakers and watch college football on Saturday. And I'd be like, I mean, tough job, but I guess somebody's got to do it. Or I was doing, actually, no, I was doing a 10 a.m. to noon radio show for a little. That's not, I, I take that back. I was doing a 10 a.m. to noon radio show on Saturdays from Casino, Arizona. Great place. Loved the hanging out there. It sounds like and it. And again, the, the games are all on. It was cool. But it was frustrating to be doing a radio show like during games. College football was a big deal in Arizona. It's not like it is in the South 
East, but it's a transient area. And a lot of Midwesterners go to Arizona. Oh, okay. The way that like a lot of people from like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania go down to Florida. A lot of like Chicago, Iowa. There is a huge Iowa fan base in Arizona. There's a huge, a massive Nebraska fan base in Arizona. Like people from the that par- portion of the Midwest retire or move to Arizona or people whose baseball team this is a straight shoot that i didn't know about they lived in arizona people that like choose to retire where their baseball team does spring training like people that say when i that are from here that when they retire like i want to move to sarasota because you can keep some part of you in your life right while going to a place with more pleasant weather like i'll still be able to be an orioles fan living in sarasota and like the number of cubs fans in Phoenix was astronomical. Like it was bonkers. It was a problem for them whenever the they played the Cubs in that playoff. And like I remember there being a heated debate with Derek Hall, the then president of the Diamondbacks. Like, could we not play take me out to the ball game after the seventh inning or during the seventh inning stretch because like people associate it with the Cubs and there are gonna be so many Cubs fans there that you don't want to have it turn into like a Cubs pep rally in the middle of the game. Did they play it? Uh, they did. Oh, okay. I I actually was and on the si- I was on the side of don't. Wait, no, they no, they beat the Cubs yeah, right, in the, the yeah. division series. They lost to the Rockies in the um, NLCS. Oh, um, Buzzsaw Rockies, yeah. Then then they turned around and got swept by the yeah. Red Sox in the World Series. <laughs> but they swept the Diamondbacks. It was over, over. I remember uh, one of the reporters from Denver were standing outside the the clubhouse after Game Two. He's like, "You think there's any chance?" I'm like, "They're not going to win a game." They're not winning a game. Jeez. There's no way. Who was on that Diamondbacks no team? No way. Uh, Justin Upton was on that team. He was like 19 at the time. Uh, Mark Reynolds was on the Diamondbacks team. This was sure. 07, right? Uh, yes, 07. Mark Reynolds was on that team. Mm-hmm. Brandon Webb was on that team, of course. Oh, God. Uh, it was not like a star. Uh, Stephen Drew. Drew. Yep, yeah. was absolutely oh, Emilio on Emilio Bonifacio. Yeah, Emilio Bonifacio was on that team. Robbie Hammock. He I named think the cat was, after Emilio Bonifacio. That's weird. His name was Emilio. Was, that's very weird. A name for a cat. Say it was named after Emilio Estevez. That's less weird. <laughs> no. Um, Chris Young. Oh, yeah. See, why? was definitely on that team. Oh, uh, Carlos Quinton was on that team. Hard-hitting Carlos Quinton was absolutely on that team. Scott Hairston. Uh, yeah. Oh, Kirk Gibson was a bench coach. Kirk Gibson was bench coach. And uh, Bob Melvin was the manager. He was. Like, I love Bo Mel. Bo Mel was awesome. I mean, really was awesome. Uh, Jose Valverde. Yeah, Papa Grande. Jose Valverde, absolutely. And who are the other catchers? I remember Robbie Hammock, but he was like the third uh, Miguel catcher. Montero. Miguel Montero. Who could, who could Chris be, Snyder. Chris Snyder. Yeah, there absolutely we go. Former Oriole. Yeah. And, oh, man. Was Burnsy on that? Burnsy was on that team, right? Burnsy, mm, I don't. Uh, I'm not seeing him on the Wikipedia here. Oh, really? er, oh, Eric Burns. Yes, yeah, Eric yes, Burns. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, Eric, I'm like, yeah, Burns, he was definitely on that team. Because I remember hanging out with Burns a few times. Dana Evelyn. Dana Evelyn was on that team. Uh, Orlando Hudson was on that team but was hurt in the playoffs. Did not play. Orlando, the O-Dog, Orlando Hudson. Love me some Orlando Hudson. God, that was a fun team. Finished the, yeah, finish the roster. <laughs> this will be oh, the tidbit. Oh, God. 2007 Diamondbacks roster. <laughs> Who else was on that team? Jesus. All right. Well, I haven't named any of the pitchers, right? Uh, yeah. I we got, got Valverde. I got, I got Brandon, Brandon Webb. Webb. Uh, was Dana Evelyn. was Doug Davis on that team? Doug or? Davis was on that yeah. team. Oh God, who were the other pitchers on that team, man? I was around this team every day. Who 
were the other 2007 Arizona Diamondbacks pitchers? The um, yeesh was oh well, Micah Owings because Micah Owings it was actually awkward. I remember also getting into a fight with Derek Hall because I said that guy's an outfielder. Like <laughs> I don't know what you're doing because he could hit like crazy, but he was not. I I did not see it for him as a pitcher, but he could hit man. That guy could rake. And who was the other? Might have been right. Yeah, well, dude, I know I was right. Yeah, I know I, that guy could rake. Who was the other? I don't know who else. Who else? Who am I missing? Um, you. We was, had... Oh, was uh, Tony Pena in the bullpen? Yes, he yeah, was. Tony Pena was Tony in the bullpen. Tony Pena. Usmiro Petit. Pettit. Oh, Usmiro Petit. Yeah, he was definitely part of that. Mike Schultz. I don't know if that one's. Any... Um, what? Randy Johnson. Was oh he? yeah, Randy Johnson was. He was. I mean, it, okay. for like what? Like a yeah, like a- was, April and May. It was, it was a weird thing where like he it was over. But um, was yeah. it like when the Orioles? Well, I guess Felix Hernandez never really pitched for the Orioles. Uh, so. No, Felix Hernandez never. No, but they brought him back. Like he had been in Arizona, then he left, and they brought him back. And he was actually still there in '08. And I remember that because there was a Randy Johnson. Not not um, like a bobblehead or something. No, there was it was him and like Daisuke Matsuzaka was uh. the pitching matchup, and it was I, I walked in that day, and I have never seen anything like it. Like I had never seen the overwhelming like Japanese media contingent, and it was so much more because it was him against Randy Johnson. Like it was, it was wild, Chief. Like that was a wild day in '08. Uh, Brandon Lyon. I don't remember Brandon Lyon. Joe at all. Kennedy. Uh, Levon, remember. Le- Levon, oh, Levon Hernandez was yes. definitely on that team, 100%. Yes. 100%. Um, we got in Edgar Gonzalez, yeah, Enrique Gonzalez. Nothing. J.D. Durbin, Juan Cruz, Randy Choate. Or is it Coates or Choate? No, it was Choate. It was Choate. Yeah. I mean, I vaguely remember Randy Choate. I, I don't know why. I, didn't, I apparently didn't know any of the guys in the bullpen. Alberto Cayaspa was on this team. I well. apparently knew none of the guys in the bullpen whatsoever because none of these – I don't know why. Normally, guys in the bullpen are the easiest guys to connect with when you cover a team right. because they have less demands. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I mean, like, it's funny because, like, looking back on it, I connected big time with Justin Upton. Like, Justin and Upton, maybe because of age, because he was so young that it made it easy to make him approachable at the time. Like, I connected big time with Justin Upton. I connected with Burnsy big time on that. That was my guy. I, Orlando Hudson, Hammock. I, I the, the guys that I remember first. The guys play that the I Patrick Stevens game. Name the five teams Eric Burns played for. Well, Baltimore for like a week. Yeah. Yes. St. Louis. Um, no. Why did I think he was uh, Oakland? Oakland, yes. Yeah. He wasn't in St. Louis, really. No, I could have because uh, there was a season he was with three teams. And I thought for I don't know why, but I thought St. Louis was one of them. That's weird. The Savannah Bananas for a little bit. Uh, I'm not seeing a St. Right, Louis right, didn't here. I believe you. I believe you. I just I I'm surprised by that. All right, so I got three of them. The other two are yeah. Oh five was the season he played for three teams. You're missing including the Orioles. Including the Orioles. Yeah. You're missing the one in the middle there. He went from Seattle. The, um, he was with Seattle in 2010. Okay. What's the other one in 05? Oh, uh, uh, Colorado. Yep. Yep. Colorado. Good job. Yep. Hundred percent. Was that tidbit? Are we making that uh, tidbit because I mean, it's twelve twenty six? We can. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, I was gonna do a quick Grammys one, I guess. If, All right. What is it? Do Do we need to sponsor it? And 
Tidbit is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel, okay. Hotel Maryland. Go ahead, Griffin. Sports and Social is the place to be for the big game at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It features an on-site FanDuel location, and it is your ultimate spot to watch the big game on the massive 100-foot media wall. So order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from our signature crushes and extensive beer selections, all just steps from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adderondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Go ahead. Taylor Swift uh, now has the most uh, Grammy or the most album album of the year Grammys, four, by an artist. Uh, she passes, or she was tied with three others who had three album of the year Grammys. Name those three. Well, it's Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was one of them. Paul Simon. Paul Simon was one of them. I don't. It's U two only had two, right? Um, U two. I feel like that came up recently at trivia. Yeah. Uh, U two. Uh, they yeah. They did not have three. I. I actually feel like this was a a question at trivia, recently. Mm-hmm. There was so much going on last week that I never mentioned the one sports question. We we rolled. We we killed oh, you trivia killed last, last week. Oh, we clobbered. Does that mean you're gonna have a let? Is it a letdown? Oh, it's a big spot for a letdown. <laughs> Plus, I got to go home first to do the birthday oh. stuff with the, the 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 kid. You get to yeah. So I'm gonna be distracted. Like today's a huge. I would not bet on Team Norfolk and Way. Norfolk and Way. Say it fast. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Norfolk and Way. Yeah. So they like that name. We've, we've said we we're going to change it like four times and we never <laughs> did. It was like a name from forever ago. That we've just never... All three of his albums came out in the 60s. Or at least the winners of these albums. Oh, probably um, Sinatra, right? Frank Sinatra, yeah, Sinatra. correct. Sinatra, Sinatra won. It was either Paul him Simon, or Tony Bennett, like at that point. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Lee Company. There's one... Uh, there's Wanking one motion. <laughs> I mean, like, it's so... It's... I, Sorry. There's I'm not, one engineer I'm not any more time with mixer this. that has won five of them the year award Grammys. T Bone Burnett? No. Don't know how to say their name. Don't know how to say their name. Not the so I don't think you would know them, but they I was, did I was gonna say they did three Ken, Taylor albums. Kenny. They did twenty four karat magic apparently with the Oh, Bruno. is it Jack Antonoff? No. Oh. Then I don't know. Serban Gania. Ah. Oh. Might be on trivia tonight. Sure. Just trying to help you out. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then uh, Adele's twenty five was also was the fifth one. Oh, okay, sure. If you say so. If you say so. All right, Tubular is brought to you today by Superbook. You know how much we love Superbook. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Win or lose. That's GlennClark23. Two ends. The number's 2-3. Obviously, not only big game bets, but... Um, there are uh, 2025 futures that are available. They've taken the awards markets down at Superbook because we all know Lamar Jackson is going to win on Thursday night. Um, but there are some other fun things, like, for example, which quarterback has more completions during the game? Mahomes, a four-and-a-half completion favorite. I will take Brock Purdy. So to cover the four-and-a-half completion spread? So plus four-and-a-half is yep. the... you get oh, Brock yeah. Purdy plus four-and-a-half what, what about Brock? Is there a Brock Purdy outright, or...? Uh, the, the way I see it going, there's probably a player pro- well, predictions here. You, uh, you could, but bet. I feel like I don't know, the Chiefs are going to run the ball like they mm-hmm. have been all playoffs. That makes, that makes some sense. That makes and some the sense. The Niners going to have to try to get back. Will into Brock this. Purdy's longest run be over or under seven and a half yards? 
over. And over he's is running. a yeah, over is over. a minus one twenty favorite. Over. But still pretty good money to be made there if you yes. like it. Superbook.com. Yes. Download the Superbook app. Here's what's uh, coming up tonight, totally tubular wise. It's um, it's you know, it's what it is. It's that time of year. So two local teams in action tonight, Morgan and Coppin, both in action, both on the road. Morgan is at North Carolina Central at 7.30. Coppin is at South Carolina State at 7.30. You can watch uh, those games on the respective websites. Um, the big, uh, the, the doubleheader on ESPN, Miami, Virginia at 7, Kansas, Kansas State at 9. All the rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. NBA TV, Warriors, Nets at 7.30. Uh, NFL Network and CBS Sports Network tonight for Super Bowl opening night. You can't miss that. It's the old media day that they moved to primetime, and I have never can't understood wait. why because I don't know why any human being would ever watch that live. I What? Please find a hobby. Please find anything else that you can what do. What are in they your doing? Life. They're just like it's just press. Con- it's just they oh, they make everybody the players. Yeah, they oh, just but it's all they're all going on at the same time. It's not like one press conference. Oh, right, right. Like they're all just out there and people are doing their goofy shtick. And do you like peanut butter? You know, I'm like, just here so I don't get fined. It's so dumb. It's so unfathomably dumb. But you can watch it tonight at eight o'clock. USA Network, Brentford and Man City at 3 o'clock, then WWE Raw tonight at 8. A lot of hubbub in the pro wrestling world after mm. The Rock has, Screwing Cody has Rhodes. cucked Cody Rhodes. Ridiculous. He's, uh, he's going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, apparently. Non-sports highlights. They don't think Cody Rhodes can carry a pay-per-view? Mm. Mm. Or maybe it's all big rouge. Who oh. knows? Maybe. Maybe. Be The Rock versus Cody Rhodes. Or maybe all three of them. Whoa. Or maybe Or maybe they just want to make Cody a bigger baby face. Or, I don't know. I think it's just going to be The Rock versus Roman Reigns. Not much uh, tonight, obviously. The Bachelor at 8 on ABC. What's the Run DMC thing? Uh, that is, so that came out on Thursday, actually. Oh, it okay. is Kings from Queens. And where is it? The Run DMC. Peacock. Okay. Peacock. And, uh, right. yeah, so that's out now as well. And the season 11 or season eleven premiere of Below Deck on, uh, mm. on Bravo. Yeah, can't miss that. Can't miss that. John Coulson's very excited. <laughs> can't miss that. Elizabeth Warren will be on Colbert. Sure. Promoting, Keegan promoting Mad- be Madam Webb. Um, I'm guessing. Maybe she will. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Very good. Not a lot. Not a whole lot. GlennClarkRadio.com. Find it there. Thanks today to D.L. Hall. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Evan James from Loyola. Bill Schroeder from out in Milwaukee. And Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Tomorrow on the program, uh, Ryan Jensen. Correct. Former Baltimore Raven. Had a really difficult medical situation and uh, announced his retirement from the NFL. Super Bowl champion with the Buccaneers. Good guy, an OG with uh, Show Your Soft Side. Uh, I hope that means he'll be back for uh, Project Runway this mm-hmm. year. Normally each year he and Tory Smith agree to pick up all of the adoption uh, tabs for everybody, all the fees. They just go ahead and pay for all of the, uh, the adoptions of Project Runway. So I'm hoping that's the case. But uh, love Ryan Jensen. Bummed out for him uh, medically, but uh, happy for his family that uh, they'll have some time together because they are good people. So we'll catch up with Ryan tomorrow. Patrick Stevens will join us. Um, County Sports Zone Radio, stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Don't forget, get out and get your goose flights all over town, Glory Days Grill, Costas Inn, Guilford Hall Brewery, the Wine Source in Hamden, Alonzo's, Bet Park Sportsbook at the Green Turtle in Canton, 
Goose Flights, benefiting the Goose Flights Foundation. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Morgan. Go Coppin. Duke sucks.